Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everyone. It is Pierce, host of the PJ's Cast. And if you enjoy listening to the PJ's Cast as much as we do recording it, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends no matter what platform you may be on. We love discussing the Chicago Blackhawks and, of course, the game of hockey. But we want to reach this out to a wider audience. And doing all those things really help us out. So once again, if you enjoy the PJ's Cast, please leave a positive review, subscribe, and share with friends. And I hope you guys enjoyed the upcoming podcast episode. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of my uh, usual host, uh, Schmitty. Unfortunately, Jimmy isn't here today, dealing with some personal stuff. Nothing but the, wish nothing but the best for Jimmy. I have uh, three special guests here. Uh, the original uh, member, we have Spencer. What's going on, Spencer? Not much, not much. How are you guys? It's great to hear that again, that voice again. Um, and then we have Reagan, who hasn't been on for a while, but she's back on. How is it going, Reagan? Pretty good. How's it going with you guys? Good, good. And lastly, we have our biggest fan all the way from Germany who created our podcast art. We have uh, Julia. What's going on, Julia? Hi, guys. Nice to meet you, finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time we've uh, met Julia on, on uh, like, I've heard Julia's voice. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, really Spencer, I want to... Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about uh, what you've been doing your first... Uh, yeah, we... You used to be on, like, when we first started the podcast, you are on it all the time, and you kind of disappeared. You've kind of done your own thing, and I just want to hear what you've been doing these past, almost past year. Yeah, um, so this past year, so actually, it was last August, I believe. Ryan Hardy actually uh, gave me the opportunity to out with Chicago Steel, so uh, ever since then, I've, I've been scouting with them. It's It's been a great opportunity for me so far. I've learned a lot. I mean, there's obviously... Uh, we've we've built a tremendous culture here in Chicago. We built um, we've we've just done a good job of just building like talent and um, just everything alone here in Chicago. And obviously, we have the elite hockey minds that go along with that. So it's it's been pretty awesome to so so far to um, learn from these guys and be able to be a part of it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, 
now I guess towards the summer, since I've had more time off, I've kind of started to do like my own analytics projects. I'm trying to like track my own data manually, whether it's like little statistics like Corsi or stuff like that. I'm just trying to track whatever. Um, now that I'm more, I have more time off and I have more time available uh, to do this type of stuff. So I've been doing that, doing data visits, all this type of stuff. But it's been, it's been fun so far. I've, been, I've enjoyed a lot of it. So, Man, you're all going to make me... I'm so glad that you uh, moved on to bigger and better things on like our stupid little show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's awesome. To, that's awesome to hear, man. Um, uh, do you have anything else to add uh, to that? Like, have you been doing anything else or is that pretty much it? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it so far. I mean, um, for the most part, uh, last few weeks, I actually went up to Green Bay for the USHL Combine. But other than that, there hasn't been too much going oh, on yeah. at camp. Uh, that started yesterday, obviously. So um, that would go on through Sunday. Not much going on though uh, since it's summer, but um, yeah, it's been enjoyable so far, and I'm looking forward to next year already. So yeah, that's awesome to hear, man. So uh, yeah, you you get to work with the Chicago Steel. We're gonna go on to Reagan now, who got to cover the Indy Fuel, which is I think is also very cool. So uh, Reagan, how did you opportunity and how fun was it doing that? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. So there's um like a hockey website called the Puck Authority that like reached out to me and like, hey, like would you be interested yeah. in like, covering the fuel? And I was like, sure, why not? Like I've always loved writing, and when I was little, I kind of wanted to be like a sports writer. So I'm not sure if I want to do that like for a career, but like I'm really considering it now. Now that I've been like doing this, and it's just been like kind of crazy because then I was able to get a media credential. So I was pretty much at almost every single home game since like late February, early March, I think. Um, so I follow the team. Um, they went, they eh, made the playoffs this year, which unfortunately they went out in the first round, but it was still kind of a crazy experience just like be able to like, cover a professional hockey team, but it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I bet definitely. No, Especially like, I was just going to say like, especially covering like playoff hockey in any way aspect, like that yeah. had to have been awesome. Even just for the few games it was, that's like really, it's just like a great thing to have. Yeah. It was really weird just because of the way like the ECHL did the playoffs this year. Cause I think it's just because of COVID and how like late the season ran. Um, it's like a best of five series instead of best of seven, which usually is best of seven. And then the format was really weird. So like some teams had like two and three or like three and two, but the fuel was like one, three, one. So their first game was at home, and then the next game, three games were on the road, and then if they needed a game five, it would be back in Indy. So it was really kind of weird, but they didn't end, ended up not needing game five, unfortunately. Um, but still, just, like, being able to be, like, in the building for a playoff game was, like, really crazy. Like, it's ECHL, so it's not, like, super heavily followed, but, like, the Fuel, I feel like, have a pretty big following. And, like, even though it wasn't, like, a sold-out crowd, it was, like, insanely loud in there, and I was, like, just really electric. I'm like, I've missed this feeling so much. And I was kind of bummed that you put out in the first round, but hopefully next year they can come back stronger. No, oh, that's yeah, so definitely. awesome for you guys, Spencer, working for the steel and then you getting to cover the indie field. That's so cool. So I want to talk to you. Uh, yeah, again, you're away from Germany and you do incredible art. And I'm just wondering how you got into art and also got into the Blackhawks because you're a Blackhawks fan, but also you're a fan of all the German. But uh, yeah, I just want to hear your uh, your background and all yeah, that. Yeah, so I've I've always been into art. Like the first thing I picked up as a kid was a pencil, and I always wanted 
to pursue art like it was always a dream of mine and then in 2017 I think I watched my first ever hockey game on TV and it was mm. the world championships because they were in Germany like Germany and France I think and up until this point we never talked about hockey really at home because my dad had a career ending injury and he oh. didn't want to talk about hockey anymore but then i kind of yeah well talked to him and we watched that game and ever since then i loved hockey and i really don't know how i got into the blackhawks it just kind of happened like i started following the nhl in 2018 and i really don't know how it happened <laughs> It was just Hawks. Yeah. Well, it's awesome that it was the Hawks, because you wouldn't be with us right now if it wasn't the Hawks, if it was any other team. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was also pretty cool that they had Cahoon, because he was, like, one of the German mm -hmm. guys. I was really sad when he, when he got traded. Like, that upset me, but we're good now. <laughs> He's with oh, Edmonton, yeah, we got, so that's yeah, they drafted Reichel. Yeah, yeah, we got Reichel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I still can't believe he got drafted by the Hawks because I didn't expect them to draft a German guy. And I also like I have to say this: I think it's really funny how you pronounce his name because it's not Reichel, and I say that when then? I talk English. But in Germany, it's Lukas Reichel. Wow. Like at the back of the <laughs> oh my god. That's so much more fancy. <laughs> yeah. It's but also it's with such Stützle. an ugly language. <laughs> that German I can get, is like, an ugly like language. That. Yeah. <laughs> no, I could say Stutzla, right? But I cannot do like how you pronounce Reichel. I can't even think about trying to do that. Like you just did it perfectly. But yeah, um it's interesting to hear what you guys have been doing and uh I'm proud of all y'all. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, um, let's get to the playoffs here. Um, so uh, last night the Islanders uh, lost to the to the Lightning. Uh, what was it, two to one? I honestly I haven't been paying too much attention to the work and stuff. It's finally my y'all. If you guys have any thoughts on the game, go crazy. Like uh, I don't know, I didn't really watch it, so it'd probably be better out hearing from one of you guys. Uh, shout out to the Tampa Bay Lightning's defensive scheme because they held the Islanders so without a shot on goal in the final five minutes of that game. And oh, I was really? like, yeah, no, dude, they were suffocating the Islanders at the end of that game. They they would just get in the zone and Barzell would do his little circle thing and then they turn the puck over. And that was kind of, and also I, I don't know if it was just a fatigue thing, but Barry Trotz was throwing out the identity line with like three minutes to go. And I was like, OK, oh so. Matt Martin's definitely going to help you score a goal there. That's that's going to help totally. Even the, I I don't know. I mean, it was just a defensive clinic by Tampa last night, in my opinion. And like the one goal the Islanders had went off a Tampa player. So like Aaron Chernak, wasn't it? Because one eighty right back in the goalie. <laughs> yeah, he like one eighty yeah. in front of the net. It was hilarious. But yeah, no, it was just a defensive like oh, clinic God. by Tampa last night. Props to them. I was at work, so I missed well, the game. Well, they beat the Islanders at their own game. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know exactly how you feel. All the yeah. games had, like, 
All the oh, days are at like 4 a.m. my time. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I just can't oh, yeah. <laughs> any play of hockey. It's awful. Oh, yeah, Dang. that sucks. So I can't um, really talk much about that. I just know the stuff I know from Twitter, so. Well, we also haven't yeah. been on since game two, and game two was, like, chaotic because they had the whole Adam Pellick pushing Braden Point and Navar Lomov. Then the Islanders got yeah. a power play out of that and scored, and I was just – and I just sat to myself thinking, okay. I, I just sat to myself thinking, this is how the Islanders get up 2-0 on Tampa, and it's going to be hilarious. And then Tampa just grinded their way out of that game. And like, I think they said the defenseman didn't haven't had a goal in 10 games. And I know like Vegas has been super active on their back end and the Islanders have been super active on their back end. They Wasn't had, it like, Jan Ruda who scored? Yeah, Jan Ruda, Hedman got <laughs> one on the power it. play. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was like most amazing shot I've seen. Jan <laughs> Ruda. Yeah, Jan Ruda yeah, thought he was like, Eric Carlson directly for a in second. Top corner, just absolutely lasered it. Man. It was perfect. It was the perfect shot. It, yeah, they finally comfort you on Aruda. It's like <laughs> when you get him a pairing partner better than Forsling. It's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, that that Tampa series is going to be interesting because like that game was extremely close for a while, and then the Islanders got a goal, and then Tampa like. What was the? I think it was the Pelic penalty, if I recall. Pelic like interfered with Kucherov well, in the middle of the ice. Yeah, <laughs> the and it was like brutal for both sides, not one side. Oh yeah, no, ice. it's it's all over the place right now. But it was just like a really wacky interference call in the middle of the ice, and then Point scored like four seconds after the power play ended. But yeah. Braden Point's on a tear right now. He's yeah. I was gonna say. Oh like, my God. I don't think there's a playoff game like where I've not like heard his name. Like no. I feel like every single playoff game this year, and like almost every year, really, like you always hear Braden Point's name mentioned, and even mm-hmm. if you don't really notice him as often, like you really just know he's there in the playoffs. Like in the regular season, you like know he's there, like not as often though. But when mm-hmm. it comes to playoff time, like I feel like I just see him everywhere. You know? Oh yeah, he's got that second gear. Like he, um, I I I still believe he's probably the best forward on the Lightning in terms of just a complete game. Because he can shut down your top center and dominate in his own end or in your end the whole time, but um, like I, there are just so few players in the league that can do what Braden Point does at his speed. Because like obviously there's guys like Bergeron and Mark Stone who have that you know shut down game to them and can score goals and stuff, but Braden Point just does it at an electric speed sometimes. Like he put Mackenzie Weger in a blender in round one, <laughs> like he. The guy's electric. And also, I think I saw he has 33 goals in his first 58 playoff games. That's insane. That's insane. That's ridiculous. And he's got 11 this year. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. He is just – he's one he of the most exciting goals players. His last nine playoff games. It's just, it's yeah, wacky. when do we start, like, class of centers like McKinnon and Dave, and I'm not even being facetious here because Brain Point just has that next year like those players. Maybe he's not as good, but like he should be at least considered a top five center in the NHL because not only does he do it in the regular season, but turns it on in the playoffs. Like it's it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, I'd argue he has more of a gear than most of those top centers. The only guy who I can think turns it on in the playoffs like him is McKinnon. Like, I mean Bergeron too, I guess for a while, but like in terms of just what he brings, there, there's just very few players who do it. Like it's inter- and that consistent too. Like Barzell can do it at times, and that's what makes him special. But Braden Point does it like 
Spencer said, night in, night out. It's it's awesome to watch, honestly. And then when Andre Bass left, he's so locked in. There's no title. stopping him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His game yeah. is versatile. Like, obviously, he has great puck skills, but, like, you saw that cross-checked and you, you put that five hole. Like, <laughs> not only will score these beautiful goals, but he'll go, like, in the paint to oh, get yeah, a goal, dude. you know? Yeah, and like for his size, you wouldn't think that, but he just, he's always in front of the net and he always finds a way to make space. It, it, it yeah. just, it's crazy to think that he fell to the third round. And like you look back at that draft, he was fifth in WHL scoring that year, too. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how he fell that low. I really don't. But he was, but, but he's not that tall and he can't <laughs> skate, apparently. That was the knock on him. Yeah, he can't skate. He can't <laughs> skate, apparently. Yeah, that's the issue. Oh my gosh! I want to know who which scout said that because woof. Like I'm sure every <laughs> scout did probably. Yeah, because he that's was just on however many times. Man, if you do like a redraft that... number two, like with oh, Dreyfus, you could argue back and forth or whatever. I don't care, but oh yeah, definitely. That 2014 draft is all over the. I mean, Pasternak's there too. He'd probably go third. So that's like, yeah, that's true. That's just a deep, like, that's just a draft class that, like, top at the top was bad. But, like, you go deep in that class. There's some good players in there, like, really good players. Hey, Nick Schmaltz, man. Come on. Nikolai Ehlers. Oh, my gosh. Nikolai Ehlers. There's some players. Oh, Nikolai Ehlers was Aaron great. Aaron, Aaron oh Eckblad went first overall. I mean, he was good this year finally, before he got hurt. So. Yeah. Uh, Sam well, Sam Reinhardt's finally figuring it out too, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I but mean, he gets traded. And then there's Michael Dalcole. He's <laughs> 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 never going to see the NHL ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor guy. But, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that Minnesota, like Minnesota, I think Braden Point was 79th overall, and Minnesota had the 79th pick, and Tampa Bay had the 80th pick. I'm pretty sure they traded up one spot to get which is just that's so fun. That's the most lightning thunder ever. That's also the most wild thing ever. They think they have a superstar, but then they don't. Okay. Peak Minnesota. And there's like that's Boston a, next year Capri's in the 2015 draft. We're like, I think they traded the pick um, to Minnesota that ended up being Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they also missed yeah, that them, was like, a, that was a rough draft. Connor and Shabbat. So that was a rough mm-hmm. year for them. Yeah, but then they yeah. had Pasternak and McAvoy, so you win some, you lose some. That's yeah. how the draft goes. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. No. Shooting 50-50. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, um, do you have anything else to add to that? I think if Tampa wins game four, it's where I don't think the Islanders come back. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I'd say it's a must-win game four for the Islanders. But, like, I, agree. I was watching... I was watching that game for a bit. They got to get the crowd in more. Cause like the only time the Islanders had like an up on the lightning, I would say was like the last 10 minutes of that second period. And that's cause they were getting those long, like uh, zone shifts and the crowd was finally getting into it. And when that crowd gets rocking, it's very hard for to just kind of run your game like Tampa does. And like, it's clear, like when the crowd gets going, Tampa has a problem with it. We saw what happened with Columbus a couple years ago. We saw what happened when Washington, Washington's crowd got going. I don't know. It could be interesting. Yeah, but but I, agree, also- mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I think that if Tampa ends up winning next game, I think it's over because especially when you're going back to Tampa, it's gonna it's a struggle for most teams uh, when you're down three one like that and you have to go back to 
uh, in a way teams playing, it's it's very tough to come back from that. Definitely. Tampa Bay, no less. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, Tampa has a tendency but, to choke in the know. conference final, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every like every series so far, the Islanders have been down 2-1, came back to one every time, so mm, who knows? It's very true. They were they down, they down that up. against Pittsburgh. Pierce, you would have loved it. They brought it up like 20 times last night during the game. They were like, both of oh, these yeah. teams haven't won a game three <laughs> this year. Shit, it's got to give. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my and then like I'm gonna That's I'm gonna make a new drinking game when I watch the Islanders. I'm taking a shot every time they say identity line or something. Cause like like I some I saw someone make a joke. They were like, Oh, the perfection line's gone. Now NBC doesn't have anything to talk about, and the identity line pops up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, let's yeah. glorify a bunch of fourth liners right now. <laughs> oh you just gosh. mentioned the identity line like ten times now. Oh yeah, no, I'd already <laughs> be done. Make him, make him drink on them. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But it's like, if you're going to like gas up a fourth line, like Tampa's fourth line has been great. Vegas has had a fantastic fourth line this year. Like there's way better fourth lines to talk about. Ryan Reeves, Ryan Reeves doesn't deserve that. Oh, I'm not talking oh, about Ryan Reeves. I'm more talking Keegan yeah. Colasar and like Will Carrier. Colas- yeah, exactly. I love Keegan yeah, Colasar. He's so, he's exciting. To yeah, dude. And I'm pretty sure they got him with Carlson to not take, I forget who it was. Someone who's not oh, as yeah. good as those it's two crazy. on Vegas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let's get on to Habs uh, versus Knights. Who would have thought that first Chandler Stevenson would be the piece that they're missing? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> I uh, so did I, did we watch? Did anyone watch the game too? A couple nights ago, and just. No, like, I did not. Again, I've been at work all week, and it's all night shows. Yeah, so I, I like go like yeah, it sucks. I haven't been following the playoffs that much because I'm always at work. Yeah, so. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I caught like a good bit of the game, and I so I know Pierce, you brought it up on the last podcast. You're saying how Montreal's got to get out front early, and they were they like Vegas seemed out of sorts in the first period in game two. Montreal was on the gas that whole time. And they got that early one with Armia, which was like, you know, just a playoff hockey. You're going to get a crazy That's rebound. Mm-hmm. It, but like the Jeff Petrie factor was very much a thing on, uh, or two nights ago. Did you ago. see his ass, his bloodshot? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Looking like the Ice King oh from Game God, of Thrones. Dude. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. You look crazy. <laughs> but he, he, I'm pretty sure he got an assist on that Toffoli goal. So like it shows like he's, already impacting that team in huge ways. And I know we talked about it on the last podcast, they weren't getting much help from their defense. Their defense was way more active in game two. And that was a huge difference. And then you had Alex Petrangelo trying to just backpack the team at the end of the game, like on his own when they were mm-hmm. down three, nothing, but it, it is crazy Pierce to think on how a guy who couldn't even make the capitals roster a couple years ago is now the, the straw that stirs the drink for the top line of the Vegas golden Knights. Like, I would not think Chandler oh Stevenson God, going yeah. down would put that line in such a flux like it did. Because, like, I looked at that. I was like, oh, Nick Waugh's going to go up there. There's more skill up there. That'll be fine. Just completely out of their sorts the whole game. I'm sure they're and on I the knew- ice for the first goal or the second goal. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it was. Which is yeah, so rare. Mercs yeah, 100%. I, and then, like, both of them. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say both of um, Vegas's goals came off of face-off plays too. So they didn't really have much zone time that game like they usually do. And if they did, it was very perimeter. Not a lot of interior chances. And if they did, Carey Price to shut the door because it's Carey Price. So, Yeah, and, and going back to what you said about Stevenson, like that line was the line that shut down Colorado for the majority of that series too. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like if you didn't have Stevenson there for a majority of that series, McKinnon and <laughs> Landeskog and Ranton probably would have dominated for a majority of that season. Probably could have come away with the victory, honestly. And I think it just speaks volumes to just how valuable like Stevenson has been throughout the playoffs for them, and um, how different like that line is, and just the whole team itself, how different it is without him there. And I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the game. Uh, Game two last game, I think I noticed a lot of the times how Montreal did a better job of their D zone coverage too. Like I think game one, it was kind of a little bit scrambled a lot. I noticed how uh, a lot of the times their wingers were not blocking too many shots. I think they kind of mentioned it on the podcast too, like their wingers weren't blocking many shots. Um, they were letting a lot of point shots through, a lot of rebounds through. So that I mean, when Vegas is going, it's it's hard to stop them. Same with Colorado. Obviously, they're not in the playoffs anymore, but. When Vegas is going, they're going, and uh, you can't really do much about it. So, and I think the other thing I noticed too is how I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but Montreal like plays an uber aggressive forecheck too. And when you yep. can't, like, when teams are able to counter that, it leads to like a lot of odd man rushes and stuff like that because they usually play three forwards high in the offensive zone, and most teams don't do that. They usually play like two forwards. Um, leave one forward back in case there's a counterattack, like odd man rush or something potentially happening the other way. Um, but Montreal, uh, they're very aggressive with that. And it's, it's tough too, because, um, Vegas, when they're obviously a dynamic transitional team. So, um, when, when they're going, they're going and, uh, when they're able to counter those situations, it's very tough to stop. So I think Montreal's done a good job so far, like, uh, especially in game two, I think they don't they did a much better job of uh, playing their game and like playing the, the right way in general and just playing to their identity. And uh, um, I think if they continue that and Cole Caulfield, just what he's doing throughout the playoffs so far, I think it, it'll, it'll, they'll be fine. Really. Um, they just need to keep it up consistently. That's all they need to do. Oh yeah. Big time. And the big thing is if you could keep the puck in your offensive zone makes Carey Price's job 10 times easier. And that was kind of what they were doing in the first half of game two. And it was, that's why they were up three, nothing. They were just, they were on Vegas the whole time. And um, I I just think it's interesting that now this is the third series where either the way I see it. And like looking back on the last couple of years, you can say this for Vegas, they have a tendency to just play to their competition like all the time. Cause like, you think like they were playing to like Vancouver's level last year and then they got smoked by Dallas because they couldn't score a goal. But, like, they let Minnesota take them to seven games this year. And Minnesota was not a team that probably should have won seven. They, they have this tendency to just not, like, step on the gas all the time. But then you watch them against Colorado, and they're a horse for four games. So it's like, I, I just, I don't know what Vegas team we're going to get tonight, and that's going to be interesting to me. Because, like, are we going to get the game one Vegas where they were just running their show and – Montreal couldn't do anything or are we going to get the game to Vegas where they were a bunch of chickens running with their heads cut off in the first period like I want to know and like I know the line change they're putting Alex Tuck on the top line so Mm -hmm. that's going to be like if that doesn't work I don't know what's going to work like if they can win the face off that's just going to be zone time out the 
Wazoo. Oh my gosh. Put that speed with Pacioretty and Stone. Like it'd be insane. But we'll see. Honestly, it comes down to if their guys want to show up. And I know in the Vegas series, a big thing was that Marshall show line was really going. So I don't know which uh, I don't know which line Montreal's matching with um uh, Vegas' second line, but they're doing an excellent job because I've barely heard Carlson and Marsha show so far this series. And when they're going, it's kind of hard to stop that team. Yeah, I was going to say, Vegas has played their best hockey against the best team in the NHL, Colorado, but uh, they kind of struggled to get against Minnesota to get the job done. And I think this is very much a series. Like, had they won game two, I probably would have thought it's probably over for Vegas. Like, it's hard to win five games, but it's very much a series. If, like, Montreal, again, can get to that early start, get, like, aggressive on their game, and, like, when it, when game three, carry Price is still carry Price. Like, the huge thing with Montreal is, right, they haven't had, like, playoff successes because they can't score goals. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw records in 2013 they've won playoff when they scored three or more goals and carry prices in it or something like that. It's crazy. But if you give them, if you give Carey Price three goals, that's almost a guaranteed win. You know? And they have been getting offenses these playoffs. So it, I don't know Montreal. I, I will say one thing about the Habs. Carey Price is going to have like a top 10 of just saves from this playoff run because he's had about three A-plus saves this series alone where I was just like, okay. Like I was talking to my buddy last night. He was like, that save he had in game two was like Holpe-esque in the cup final against Vegas. Just like that's like a that's like a series changing save that he made, and he, he's done it multiple times this series. Like game one could have easily been like seven one if Carey Price isn't on oh, his A game. And I it's I mean like I know I gave the Habs a lot of crap the last few weeks, but like just Carey Price is doing something that's insane right now. Like yeah, the team's playing very good, and like Spencer was saying, they have that forecheck to where if they can if they have the puck, they're going to be in their end, but. Man, if Carey Price is not in net, this team is not here, and it's just exactly it's no big props to him. They're all they're all the against Toronto, like if they don't have Price. Like Pierce and I have been saying for the last month, this is just him writing his resume to be the starting goalie at the Olympics next year again. Yep. He's like, oh, wait, you exactly. said Carter Hart was taking my spot? Don't think so. No. <laughs> slot me in. Or Jordan Bennington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jordan Bennington was going to beat me out for the starting goaltending job? Okay. <laughs> Jordan Bennington, the guy be, who wants to get should in be more him and fights. Flurry. Than, yeah, oh, 100%. It should be him and Flurry. And Flurry's been excellent too. He's going to win the con Smite. The Vegas wins the cup, so not a doubt in my I, mind. I honestly don't feel like I've watched a goalie like more poised in the playoffs than Carey Price. So, like I mm-hmm. like, there's certain players you watch and you're like you know they're in the zone, but like especially with goalies, like it almost like relaxes me in a way watching them because like he's, he's so, so poised he's so he's, like, boring, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. Like you, you look at like two, two goalies that I think are like on that same level when they were in their peak. It's like you look at Vasilevsky. You could tell when Vasilevsky's shaken. Like you can tell when he's out of his game. It's very visible. Carey Price, you can never tell when he's out of his game. Yeah, he could have exactly. given up five goals and he's no. still locked in. Like you're so right. He's just like he's got that he's, calming presence. Like it's God. And people and I do think it's it's probably justice that the first guy to win with double, a double digit cap hit is a goaltender. Because if anyone was going to do it, it's Carey Price, like to win multiple rounds with that cap hit for sure. And he's just proving why he got that long contract. Like, yeah, he may have gotten it a couple years later than he probably should have, but 
There's a reason the guy won the Hart, the Lindsay, the Vesna, and or did he win the win, Lindsay and the Jennings? I don't know. He won all those trophies in one year though, in 2015. Okay. So <laughs> there's a reason why. Pretty sure he shared it with Crawford that year. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. I remember that now. <laughs> Back when the Hawks had to play that shutdown hockey because Patrick Kane had a broken clavicle. <laughs> oh, yes, I, oh, yes. I will never that. forget about that. Oh, I will my never God. forget Alex Petrovich. <laughs> Just like, like mm, not happy. The only good thing, and I mean the only good thing to come out of that, is Quinville would have never played Tara Vine in the playoffs without seeing him in 2015. And probably like, the cap space, too. Oh, yeah, the cap space helps. Like, if we don't have Vermette, got that's... Vermette eventually down the line. And mm-hmm. if Kane didn't get hurt, you probably wouldn't have heard of Vermette in Chicago, honestly. Yeah, I don't, we know, I don't remember if we had enough room. I can't recall off, off the top. No, of my we head, definitely didn't have enough room because no. they said Kane yeah. couldn't come off the books till the playoffs or like Kane couldn't activate till the playoffs anyway. That's like the only good thing. That's like the main good thing. Yeah, knowing but the how thing big with... Vermette was for us. That playoff run was just crazy because, like, I remember, like, watching that team when Kane got hurt, and I was like, okay, they're playing, like, a playoff-style defense to end the year. Like, there, it's a lot of 2-1, 3-1 wins where they're just shutting everyone down. And then all of a sudden, they're like, Patrick Kane won't be back till the conference final. Game one. Patrick Kane's on the ice. I'm like, what? Like, is he's going to get hurt again, and this is going to be terrible. And then they go up down 3-0 and come back and win game one, and then they're a wagon. It's, like, the best. It's my favorite of the three cup runs, I think, honestly. Stop the early, fact that, I, baby. The fact that we can choose is amazing. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, Scott Darling. What I remember guy. watching that game one, and it was, like, 3-0, like, right away. And I was like, well, this is, this is not going to happen at all. It's going to be a quick – Quick series if this is the way it's going to go. I'm pretty sure Colin Wilson had like a zero angle snipe on Crawford or something. And I was just like, oh, this is really yep. how this is going to go, isn't it? <laughs> and, all, and then Scott Dart, like, honestly, Nashville's got to be sitting there. Pretty sure it was Michael Rosevold they... up being white. Oh, my gosh. I just remember like the first goal too, because Jalmerson like snapped his stick and he was just so pissed when he got the first goal. He was just like, wake the fuck up. And then they got two power play goals because I I rem- was it game one or game two where Shea Weber was just on a war path trying to murder everyone. Because oh. like there was a point where he got mm, a cross check. Then he tried to slash Kruger going to the bench. Then he cross checked someone again and <laughs> got like two penalties or something like that. Like he was like Shea Weber was off his rocker in that series. And then that was, was also the Philip Forsberg coming out party. I love how, like, every sniper in our division yeah. this is like, we're going to become good against the Hawks in the playoffs. Like, Tarasenko did it. Like, Forsberg did it. It's just like, I can't wait till Kaprizov does it. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, man. Love talking about the Hawks. <laughs> it was definitely their most gutsy win. Like, their, their most impressive win, I would say, 2015, because their hardest run. Got it. If they could have won that game five in Anaheim, that would have been one of the craziest comebacks I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh my god! Just like Frederick I remember, Anderson Bickle... is not the same. Oh. oh, he's still shaking. Like Jonathan Taves owns him. I'm sorry. Like there's and, and yes, it, it's he still does. He scored like the last time they played the Leafs. He scored two of the wackiest goals on Anderson. Like Taves knows. He's like in his. He's in this goalie's head. <laughs> I just remember yeah. Game Seven of that series though, because. The Eastern Conference also went to a game seven. And so because they put the Western Conference game seven, like 
on like a Saturday. I think my family had a wedding we had to go to. And we're like, you're telling oh us God. you have to miss game seven for this wedding. So like, we're like, it's like the reception, right? It's like, we're following it. We're checking our phones like as often as we can. And like, <laughs> I'm the one like, oh my God, we're going back to the final. Like, it's all good. And, oh, it was just a crazy night. Oh yeah. That was, that was similar. That was like a similar thing that happened to me in 2013. It was uh, game five and they're playing LA. And I was I was at a wedding too, and they had a, like a bunch of TVs in the bar, so I just I just went off to the bar because I, I wanted to watch the game, <laughs> I did not want to do anything else, honestly. So I went to the bar, and then eventually I found out that, of course, LA tied it, and then they went to OT, and I was freaking out, and then they eventually scored, of course, and everything got better, and I was like running around the halls, I was just, I, I couldn't hold back my emotion or anything. It was, it was awesome. For I was like game four versus the Sharks. Me and my sister and my mom had, like, a baby shower to go to. And I was, like, 10, so I was just kind of, like, not really into it. I'm like, I'd rather be at home, like, watching the Hawks game. There's, like, a back room at the place here that had a TV. So me and my sister just kind of running back there because we were more invested in hockey. And it was kind of crazy, but, hey, the Hawks won that game, too. But then I missed the part of the game where Keith got hit in the face with the puck and, like, lost all those teeth. <laughs> my dad was telling, telling me about it, and I got home, and I was like, that happened? Because, like, he was still on the ice by the time I, like, saw it again. So I didn't know anything happened. Oh, man. Duncan Keith's my favorite player. I don't care if he's a little shit on the ice. That dude is a fucking warrior. Like, oh, my God. And, like, I know, like, we always talk about Keith getting his teeth knocked out. And, like, you always think about, like, Shaw when he took one in the face in game six. But, like, if we won in 2014, it doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Jolmerson took a puck to the throat in the second round. I remember And he, like, didn't miss a game. (laughs) Like, I can't. Like, I know he said, I think, like, the article said this year that he's taking a year off to go live with his family. And good on him, man. He is taking a year and let his body rest. That dude has had some hard miles. Yeah, it's catching up to him now, too. Oh, yeah, big time. Unfortunately. And you know it was going to eventually, too, especially with the way it caught up to Seabrook. And, like, we talked about it a while ago. That's why I give Duncan Keith so much credit. When Duncan Keith got hurt, he was like, all right, I'll get the surgery. Fix me. I'll be back. Guys like Seabrook and Jalmerson, they never got that surgery. They were just like, oh, I'll just play it off. You know, we're fine. But like like you said, like that stuff catches up to you. Yeah. And like, I'm glad he's taking a year off because, you know, he's got that big ass farm in Sweden too. So <laughs> I remember that from one of the cup videos when they yeah, did he's it. He's playing in the Elsvenskan next year too. I, I, don't, oh. I don't think he's going to be actually, well, he's not going to be not, playing in the NHL, but I think he's going to be playing in the Elsvenskan, which is like this. Like the second division, Swedish second league, league, like right yeah. the SHL. So it's kind of hard just to go cold turkey on hockey. I, I, I guess I get that for him, but, <laughs> um, oh yeah, man, he was just the best. Like one of the like one of the best Blackhawks on those cup runs. Just stable. It's what you want on your back end, and like I, underappreciated. I do, oh, for sure. And like I know he's not nearly on the same level, but like I do think it's funny that Connor Murphy has slowly turned into that guy for the Hawks mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like first year it took him a while because he didn't really fit in Q system, but like every year under Carlton system, he's gotten better in my opinion. Yeah. So he's just consistently like, reliable. You know, he's not gonna be a top two defenseman, but he's gonna be like that number three, number four for you. You know, great second that you can rely guy. on play twenty minutes a night plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's a favorable like, captain too. Oh nice. yeah, dude. It's always nice. Like he's gonna be a free agent next year, so that'll be interesting to see where his contract goes. Because I would love to see him back as a hawk, but he definitely wants yeah. to raise. So like Certainly. I could see Murphy getting like four or five on his next deal. 
like, yeah, he's like that's a guy who if he asked for 5.8 times five i'd be like okay maybe not um you know this other big doofus that runs yeah, I was, line. yeah i was gonna say take the money that you're gonna put into the door put that into murphy who's actually not only defense when you can play defense but can move the puck up the ice and all that yeah, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't like. I'm surprised Carlton didn't test him out more on the power play this year because he's got that nice shot from the blue line if you give him time. Yeah. And he knows how to get the stick or get, um, you know, he, he knows how to get the like Boquist does it too. They get those low shots to get tips, and those are very useful. At least, well, at least for teams that get net front presence, we don't usually get that, but you know, it, it's nice to have. Hmm. So, yeah, um, let's get on to the Blackhawks news. Not we were already talking about. Blackhawks, like current Blackhawks news. <laughs> um, so they did sign Jacob uh, Paul. I think that's how you say it. He's from Czech Republic. He played with uh, Dominic Oblique. Don't know too much about him, but uh, I guess another big forward in the system. That was like their big thing for them. So I, I guess we'll see if it's anything. Um, and apparently yeah, the Blackhawks are in on Buggy. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> and apparently the Blackhawks are in on. Uh, are in on Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones. Uh, I'm reading the Athletic article, and it's funny because uh, they, they were, like, talking to the league source, and the league source is like, uh, Dougie Hamilton's more of an offensive defenseman, whereas Seth Jones is more of a two-way defenseman when it's really the other way around, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, we, we've seen, like, Columbus, they're asking prices, Kirby Doc, and... Like, I don't think Kirby Doc's untouchable, but, like, when you're trading for Seth Jones, No. Don't Kirby Dak yeah. for Seth Jones. You trade Kirby Dak for like Jack Eichel, which we'll get into later. The whole thing. Yeah, There's a lot to get into, but I don't know. It just, to me, it makes more sense to throw money at Dougie Hamilton, um, even though he is a bit older. Like, uh, I doubt do a sign and trade because if you did a sign and trade, you could sign him to eight years and give him that extra year, but um, it's more likely. He's going to hit free agency. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how much he makes because Petrangelo made 8.8. I don't know if he's going to get more or less. Or, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It's, obviously, it's going to be an interesting offseason. But uh, I would I would rather a million times Dougie Hamilton or Seth Jones. Not just because Seth Jones isn't that good. Like, if you can get him at a low – Seth Jones at a low price, like, fine. The huge thing with him is that he's only going to be the one year. Like, you, Hamilton, you know you're going to have him for seven years and he's going to – that contract. I don't want to hear what you guys think about that. I I think that article was very like it's very odd in a way because it starts off by saying, "Oh, the Blackhawks aren't going to mortgage their future to go get one of these guys," and then the one league source is like, "Well, Kirby Doc would be the guy that goes back for Seth Jones," and it's like, "Okay, I'm hanging up the phone, Yarmo. Nice try. Like, I'm not. It's nice to know the league sources, Yarmo Kekalainen. Like, thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh." I, I just don't see a world where, like, one, I don't see him trading for Seth Jones just because, like, Bowman's not an idiot. He's not going to trade his top prospect for a 26-year-old defenseman who has been on the decline. And I also think in a way, like, why would Dougie Hamilton sign here? That's, That's what I just keep coming back to. Like, yeah, we could give him the money, but if I'm Dougie Hamilton, I, I don't want to play for this team. Like this is like Carolina three years ago, they're they're like four years ago when they were just in a flux. This is like playing in Calgary again. I wouldn't want to play here. Oh yeah, and like I don't know if he wants to play here, but if you're the Blackhawks, you definitely offer him the money. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But then also, if you're the Hawks, I I tend to think like okay, if you sign him to like eight times eight, 
we just got like, what if he hits a decline like Seabrook at like 30? And we're just like, shit, we got another contract like that. That's just going to anchor. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I just feel like for the Hawks case, this like, it makes sense, but like the price definitely has to be right. Like the price has to be right on both accounts in a trade or a contract. I just, I don't know. I, and then I just don't want Seth Jones. I don't want Seth Jones. I think I heard he was like asking for like 11 million or something like that. I might be wrong. Seth Jones? But I, I think that's what I heard. All right, so, Seth Jones. You're not I, Eric Carlson. Even when <laughs> Eric Carlson, even, you're not even Eric Carlson now, which is a problem. Like, no. Oh, what he has, gosh. like, when his legs don't work at all, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You got a one legged Eric Carlson and he's better than you. So, yeah, no marketing. Like, Seth Jones' agent really is shooting for the fences on this one, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure like, his agent is that person, which is also yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. But I'd be interested. The funny thing if, like, is Seattle that no matter. Oh, <laughs> the funny thing is that no matter what fan base, like, which from which team, you ask nobody wants Seth Jones. Like everyone on Twitter is just going, please don't sign with my team. No. <laughs> That's no. all I've like. You're you know, so right. You're, you're not <laughs> <No>. wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like there's not there hasn't even been a single person like there's no there's not there's not a single person on Twitter that's like I could fix him. My team could fix him. It's everyone's just like I don't want my team to fix him. You worry mm-hmm. about that. <laughs> Please, not us. Yeah. It's so funny because, yeah, because I haven't been into hockey for that long, so I didn't really know about Seth Jones all that much. And it's just the first thing I saw on Twitter that nobody wants him. Like, no one. Everyone's like, no, please, not my team. And I think it's the most, like, the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Seth Jones a little bit too, because like the national media definitely didn't help him last year when he was playing no, the playoffs. Because they were like, "This dude's gonna be a Norris finalist this year," and then he, he played, and that just in a playoff game. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like it's poor guy, because like he had to live up to some crazy expectations this year that, that were put on by the national media. And like I've said this. Oh, you or I was just gonna say I looking this- back. Yeah, 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 you go. Sorry. No, <laughs> There's always no, like a I'm dual. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, like, the analysts are not in favor of Seth Jones at all. Like, he's barely an NHL defenseman. And then the media hypes him up as this, like, uh, this five defenseman in the NHL. You know, he's 6'4. He can skate. He's a right handed shot. He plays all these big mitts. I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he's like a second pairing guy, you know? Um, Like, uh, Obviously, we mentioned Julia. The teams like every you've seen like every fan base does not want such a like. I don't know if they would ever do this, but Colorado. If I want to make a run at a cup, I'm like, okay, why? Let's try Seth Jones on our our second pair or something, you know? Because you obviously you can put him behaves in my car, put him with us, Sam Gerard or something, and I don't know. Seth but, Jones uh, for Connor Timmins. The trade is one for one. <laughs> Oh god! Watch them like get like trade Eric Johnson to get Seth Jones or something oh like that. It was... I'm not gonna lie, Colorado could have used a guy like Eric Johnson in the playoffs this year. <laughs> Patrick Nemeth was awful. 
Oh my god. Really? Their their blue line was like human in that series. Um I'm Gerard series. I mean Taves and Ricard, they weren't off, but they were just average. I would say my new favorite game is the national media saying that the Avs should trade Sam Gerard because, like, we'll take him, we'll take him with open arms 23 oh for six God. more years of five no cap. Yeah, like, like that's like the next Roman Yossi cut, right? Like, it just tells you how head. much like casual fans like just look at the playoffs and they're just like, this guy sucks. And it's like, well, um, he hasn't sucked for the last four years, but yeah, we'll just no. take four games into account. Yeah, like, he exactly. Was super like, good games he, one and two, like yeah. But <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a, he had a rough four games. What what NHL team would ever make uh, harsh decisions based off of four games? I mean, couldn't be my hockey come team. On here. No, no, no. Couldn't. <laughs> couldn't be my team so bad that they had to do it twice. No, couldn't be our team, guys. Couldn't be our team. No, no, no. You couldn't no. have like just burned bridges um, in the front office while the draft was in your city. No, 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 no. They didn't do that. <laughs> and then have your uh, Hall of Fame coach storm out of a meeting because he lost his favorite player. I, I just love how Bowman had to make a scene when the draft was in his city. Like, of course you did, mm-hmm. you stupid motherfucker. Oh my god. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, for reasons like, I was on the like, I was on the OK Bowman train yeah. for a while. I'm back on the Bowman hate train. I'm not getting into that. Oh yeah, either. no, we don't get any further into that. Um, again, let's just think positive thoughts here. So, like the kids Zadorov's um, contract extension. Let's yes, go, guys. Yes, let's get into yes, more sir. positive things. <laughs> oh, five gosh. times five point eight five. Um, no, no, no. I just good on his agent. The kids good on his agent. Yeah. For crying. <laughs> I'll never, I will never get mad at a player for going after the money. You know, like he, I, 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 like in the article, I mentioned that, uh, he always took these bridge deals. So obviously you want long-term insecurity, but uh, here's the thing. We're in a COVID world. There is a stagnant cap. You don't always get what you want. Um, obviously he can try, but uh, what are the odds that he actually gets a 5.5.85 or whatever it was? Uh, he also has arbitration rights, which scares me. Because like that's interesting. Yeah, he could get four easily with an arbit with arbitration. Like, oh yeah. Because it's sure I think his what's his minimum? I was about to say his qualifying's got to be like three something. So it. I don't know the exact number, but yeah. In in a perfect world, we trade for Dougie Hamilton in a sign and trade, sign him, and then expose the door off in the expansion draft. Get him out of here. <laughs> but no, this world we're gonna protect him and give him six mil. So. Dougie would be the one guy I'd want, though. But I'm interested to see if like Seattle's gonna make like a run at Dougie. That's like, what I said last Ron podcast. Francis, because Ron Francis, he built his uh, decor in Carolina um, primarily yeah. based off defense. Pretty sure he treated him before anything else. And I think I think Seattle can make a hard run at Dougie. I think if they go with a forward in the draft, I think they're gonna make it like a big run at somebody in free agency for sure, like a defenseman, oh, yeah. like a big name DN. Uh, I think it's gonna be Dougie though. I I could certainly see Dougie going to Seattle. That's just my take. But oh, hundred percent. We were talking. How about many museums does Seattle have? Not o- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Not only do they have um, he has that relationship with Ron Francis, but like Seattle would be the one team that could give him whatever money he wants. Like they're gonna have a, they're probably gonna have a bunch of cap space. They're gonna need a star. I throw eight times eight at Hamilton if I'm Seattle or more if that's what gets you a number one defenseman, and then and he'll be like, the guy gotta, there. Like, 
Oh, he'll be the guy. Yeah. And he can quarterback your power play in day one. And guys like that can make your forwards better because they can set them up for goals. Like it's like having that cornerstone on your team would be huge for Seattle. Like I a hundred percent agree with that. It'll just be interesting for sure. Like I I'm just, I really want to get to the expansion draft now because I, I want to know what Seattle's oh, yeah. going to do. Cause I, I've been, I just think there's going to be some names there that no one expected to be there. Like, Maybe the kid is sort of right, like because it's a flat cap, so teams are gonna try to like get rid. Like people say, oh, like they're not gonna have what happened to Vegas where they get all these sweeteners. I think they're going to because uh, I don't know. They might dude, not get as flat, much, but they're definitely gonna get a few. Yeah, you got to think it's a flat cap, and there's a lot of teams that need salary cap help right now. You can finesse some picks for taking like. Like, I'm telling you right now, Julian Breezeball is probably already talking to Ron Francis to make sure he doesn't take Chernak or, like, Yanni Gord or something and, like, takes Tyler Johnson's contract plus. Like, there's going to be deals like that, and Seattle's going to be able to build a half-decent team because of it, in my opinion. Because there's just going to be some names there that everyone's going to be like, well, why are you exposing that guy? And it's like, oh, because he makes, like, $7 million, and they're going to take him and, like, get like a really good prospect. I don't know. I just really think that's going to happen again, just because of the flat cap. Yep. And there wasn't a black cap. Never learned from the mercy. Nope. Cause remember Pierce, they want, they want to all be friends. They want to like, they want to all be yeah, friends. They true. don't want any problems with each other. They want nope. a kumbaya type thing. Just as they, as they would say, uh, no, uh, no dramas, just uh, or soap offers. Yeah. It's just hockey. Jimmy's favorite line. No soap offers, just hockey. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Jeez. Um, so we talked about Dougie Hamilton. How about the coach he played for? Rob Brenner, not only getting a new contract with Carolina, but uh, winning Jack Adams, good for him. Everything I've heard about Rob Brenner is like his players would run through 20 brick walls for him. Like he's that kind of guy. And obviously things didn't go as expected for Carolina. I think they ran into a really good Tampa Bay team, but I, I still feel like Carolina could go back next year and be a second favorite. Oh, 100%. Like that was Some... the right choice. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one thing with Rod Brindamore is he was looking out for all of his assistant coaches, too. He was trying to get them all extensions yeah. and all the staff extensions. He was looking out for everyone. And that's something rare you see with coaches nowadays. And, um, like, yeah, they had a tough elimination this year. But, like, I think the Dangle podcast said it a couple of times ago. The Hurricanes are just like the Blues in terms of luck. They've come across, like, either the Eastern Conference, like, guy or they've come across a team that's lost to the Eastern Conference champion. So it's yeah, like you they, run, you've run into Boston and Tampa the last three years. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Like, that's just unlucky. And like, at the end of the day, you need luck in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like we're looking at it right now with the freaking Canadians. So <laughs> you need a little bit of luck to get to where you are. It's just the way it is. And like, they're going to get that luck eventually. Cause Rod Brindamore has built something amazing there. And it's obviously and the GM too, but and, like yeah. no one gets what they get out of those players. If they're not Rod Brindamore. So good on him. Yeah. I do think it's funny that he won the Jack Adams the same day, though. They're just like, we'll just make sure to prove why he got this extension. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, some news out of Toronto. Uh, Jason Spezza signed there. Uh, mean uh, League Toronto does not deserve Jason Spezza after all the heartbreak they've gone through, and this guy just keeps taking league men deals. And not only that, he's actually still a really good player. Like. He, he cannot put this loss on him, like like the playoff losses on him at all. Like he's shown up, he's done his part. They need a little statue for Jason, so they don't deserve him. Oh my god! 
I wish Jason Spencer would just go play for Vegas or something and go win or go to no. Tampa. Like, God damn it. Why are you, why are you staying with this team? <laughs> why are you, no, st- why are you staying with these bunch of yeah. losers? And speaking of Toronto, it sounds like they're not re-signing Zach Hyman. Shocker. No, I was like, Zach Hyman's going to get paid. And I, right, so and I was go to Vancouver. Oh, yeah, yeah. or the Rangers. Because the Rangers <laughs> need that toughness. Tri- it, it's yeah, Jim Benning's, like, perfect contract, literally. Like an overpaid, another Imagine overpaid, him and another Matt overpaid on a line. Six mil for Zach Hyman, baby. Here it comes. <laughs> it's like we need to extend so Pedersen and Hughes. Nope, Zach yeah. Hyman. <laughs> no, Quinn Hughes is coming to Chicago so they can sign Zach Hyman. That's what's happening. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, uh, imagine a line with Matthew Highmore and Zach Hyman with Elias and Tyler Pedersen Mott? at the center. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tyler Tyler Mott, Center. I forget though. Or, or Matthew Heimer because he can play every position at forward because he's that versatile. That's why they got him, Pierce. Yeah, that's true. Way more that's versatile true. than Adam Goddard. Huh? <laughs> like oh there God. were some trades that happened at the deadline where I was just like, okay, I don't know why you're giving away roster players, but be my guest. <laughs> like for a team that couldn't score goals, they got rid of a guy who got 35 points last year. It's just. A little interesting to me. <laughs> I don't know. So I was kind of being the drum with Zach Hyman to Chicago because they kind of need that player. I was looking at his injury history, his age, and no, that's Andrew no. Shaw 2.0. Like, I, yeah, I'm thinking like Zach Hyman's a good player. Like he played on the line with Matthews and Marner, and he was probably the best, most, certainly most consistent player in the playoff run. So, but, and he can uh, run his own I line too. It. He's shown it. It's just, yeah, I agree. He's gonna want five or six for like four or five years, and he deserves that because he took a he took a pay cut in this last contract. Oh, he'll, he'll still, probably get six times. Oh, he'll get it from the Rangers. Like, I'm telling you right yeah. now, the Rangers are gonna go get him because they need that toughness, according to their GM now. Because that's why they're not good because they need more grit, like the Isles. This is why the Isles being good is. Not they need an identity line. That's what. Let's they go need. back to the 2000s, guys. Dead puck era. Let's go. I'm. Br- I bet you Zach Hyman makes more money than Taylor. Oh, my God. Imagine. Zach Hyman gets like six mil. Taylor Hall gets five. It's just like the duality of the salary cap. <laughs> no, he'll probably get like five times in Boston or something like that, you know? Right. And, they, and there's mutual interest in that extension, too. So, you know, that's going to get done. Yeah. Don Sweeney's going to work his magic somehow. I'd be just better for Hall in general too. I mean, he's been with so many mm-hmm. teams the last few years. It's just better off to like sign a long term extension and be able to stay with like a team consistently for at least the next few years. You know? Yeah, have that stability for once with an organization because he's he just been on this year. I mean, mm-hmm. especially for Boston, like he was on a tear down the stretch when he was traded there, and I think I read somewhere he's like 60, 70 point pace over eighty two games. So. Mm-hmm. Probably at least thirty goals too, but I mean, Hall Hall's been a perfect fit there, and I mean they didn't need to trade uh, up much to to get him either. So, yeah, they still got to give Don Sweeney so much credit for that. Like, yeah, they lost in the second round, but they got Mike Riley and Taylor Hall, and they didn't have to give up a first round pick for either. Like, or just they kept their first round pick in general, and they didn't have to give up any prospects. Like Anders Bjork was never going to get in their top six anyway, so I don't. I see that as a win win, but um. Yeah, Taylor Hall just needs to stay with the contender. Like you're right. I just, agree. I agree. Yeah, I think I read just, somewhere too, like where t- I think um, the Islanders offered like a first round pick or something for Taylor Hall to Buffalo. Wow. And they thought they could have gotten more for Hall, and they ended up getting less. 
Ironically, Buffalo no. is just a mess. Like, Pierce, what was the thing you sent a couple days ago where they were just like, oh, Buffalo feels like they're going to get the upper hand on this draft. And then we were like, yeah, with their scouting department of six people, <laughs> like they are definitely going to get the upper hand on this draft. This is how many scouts they have. This is how many scouts they have. I'm sure it's crazy. I'm honestly like, so scared for Pitiaka, who signed with them like a week ago. Because oh, he's yeah. one of the German guys I love watching. He had a great world, like a world championship, and now he's gonna play in Buffalo. And they already already have one of the guys from my hometown hockey team, Tobias Rida. And it's awful to see them there because they are struggling. Oh yeah, and it's not getting better anytime oh. soon. I I was like praying no. Turka was gonna. I was praying he was gonna go to um the, the Sens to go play with. Uh, Stutzla, but so I that just, would have been uh, awesome. Stutzla, yeah. I just I wished Ottawa could have pulled sure that off right though. <sighs> yeah, that too. I was kind of surprised that he dropped to the second round because I heard, like in Germany, the the consensus kind of was that Reichel is going to second rounder and Peterka is going to go like early half i think i was kind of surprised that he dropped to the second round i love the way you say Ryko. by the way it's just awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but uh yeah um jack like like uh, uh, still on <laughs> buffalo like apparently jack Eichel. Uh, trade talks are heating up, which is just ridiculous. Drager said he'll get traded before the draft. That is wow. If, wow, dude. I don't even know. And it sounds like they, they're doing the stupid Mike Hoffman thing where they're like, oh, we only want to trade him out west. It's like, okay, but if the get Rangers as much are as you me, have for him, what? Thank you. Like, oh my gosh. I don't get this whole thing of like, no, we don't want to trade within the division, even if they'll give us better stuff. It's like, yeah, you have to play him five times a year, but they'll give you more. Like, Come on, like basic trade 101. Like unless they're trading with the LA Kings, they're not going to win a Jack Eichel trade. And even if they do trade with the Kings, that's 100% based on upside. Like they're going to get one of Turcotte or Byfield, but you have to develop them, <laughs> which you suck at. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Even, even Owen Power's like, like, I'm staying a year. Another yeah, year Owen Power immediately was like, I am not touching Buffalo this year. <laughs> Oh my god. This poor I think guy. it was good for Owen too at the same time because like I think he he also needs another year, at least I think to at least fill out his frame more and be able to at least dominate NCAA mm-hmm. level. Because next year Michigan's gonna have a really good team too. Yeah, like, they're gonna have going a there, right? really, really good team. They have so many good prospects, mm-hmm. incoming prospects too. And I mean, I think give him another year at least to dominate, fill out his frame and uh contribute even more offensively. I think he's gonna be he'll, he'll, he'll he's I wouldn't say he's ready for the NHL level yet, but I think he just needs that extra little bit of development. So, I don't think anyone from that draft is NHL ready, or they could. No. Like, but years mm-hmm. in power could play, but I think uh, another year for them would help they shouldn't. No. Yeah, and that's and that's a good thing. Like that should probably start happening anyway. Like, look at the last couple of years and how many guys have been forced in early, and like it works, but yeah. like they could have probably like guys like like. Kirby Doc was fine, but he definitely could have benefited probably one more year in junior, I think, just dominating in junior. And, like, 
Capocacco definitely looked like he wasn't ready last or two years ago, but they threw him to the wolves. And I guess he's fine now with play driving, but like you don't want to stunt these kids' development anyway. Like you want them to get to the highest point they can. So let them dominate at their at their league, like Spencer said. Just let them ease their way into the game. And like what rush does Buffalo in anyway, right? Like yeah, you're not exactly. gonna be good next year. You're trading your best player. Like the only thing Buffalo should be focused on next year is somehow getting Jeff Skinner to start scoring goals again. That's it. It's like you're not going to be able to move that anchor contract, so might as well try to get him to at least get you like 15 goals again because, wow, he's been terrible. Um, I'm going to lie. I forgot Skinner was in Buffalo right now. Literally, like, that's how bad he's been. Like, <laughs> just, oh, my gosh. He's like, what a finesse. Just got his money and started and just dipped. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick-esque. What a he's guy. Like, I respect that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But – um. I'm curious, like, where do you guys think is, like, the best fit for Eichel in terms of, like, trade fits? Because, like, for me, I for so me, I it's just, this... like, Minnesota and L.A. right now. Those are the two. Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota for me. I, I, oh, yeah. I just Minnesota. love watching Kirill Kaprizov play this year, and I feel like he like <laughs> Eichel Michael. to that line. You'll not only be able to get him to another level, you'll add way more setter depth. Like, Minnesota's main thing to oh, lack yeah. this year is centers. And next year they could add Marco Rossi. You already have Joel Erickson at complete this year in terms of underlying numbers. Offensively, transitions, defensively. I agree. I agree. His underlying numbers were exceptional. Like, I was blown away when I first saw him, too. And then you, if you add Eichel to the mix, you got you got a perfect top nine right there. And, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, speaking of Joel Erickson next too, I feel like he didn't get the ice time he deserved this year. Like, he was, he's playing a majority of the time with Felino. I agree. I agree. He, he's playing majority of the time with Felino, who's another elite defensive player, and Greenway. But, like, that line was solid down the stretch for Minnesota, too. No doubt about it. But, like, I I definitely think that uh, Erickson could have been their top line center playing with Kaprizov. He's like the we're playing, guy we're, with Were they playing right Hartman at center? Yeah. He was actually doing pretty well, too. Wow. Like yeah. Hartman, he actually played a brief amount of time too with Kaprizov. I was actually like questioning like whether they should put Kaprizov on a line because they put him on a line with Victor Rask, and this guy still dominated. And I was I was debating whether or not they should put him on a line with Hartman or Erickson Eck. And I mean, Erickson Eck is like the guy there. But if you can add Eichel, I mean, you can go to another level and you uh, round out your center group. So this is from Pierre LeBrun. He says the teams I believe make sense. Los Angeles, Minnesota, Anaheim, Columbus, Philadelphia, and the Rangers. But, yeah, I think the teams we brought up, like L.A. and Minnesota, um, I think that makes the most sense. Um, says that the Kings want to make a splashy move for top six forward. The Wild use another top center. And, uh, I mean, Jack Eichel is bad as a top center, you know. And then the Blue Jackets, who have three first-round picks this year and need a number one center. I don't know how you get Jellico, like what high-end assets you have to get him, but... I mean, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you know, like like she said, you're not gonna win uh, a Jack Eichel trade. Like even if you like for trade with LA and get like one of Byfield or Turcotte, like are are they gonna be better than uh, Jack Eichel? I don't know. Like it's just that's such a tough situation. I. I don't envy Kevin Adams' position at all because that that organization is just a shit show right now. <laughs> like, there's no yeah, other way yeah, you just it. cannot lose an Eichel trade. Nobody can. Like, it's Jack Eichel, and no matter what you're getting back, you're getting guys who are gonna 
uh, need time to develop anyways. So, I mean, anybody can win an Eichel trade at this point, but it just uh, depends on who really, so. Yep. Um, Let's see if there's anything else on the notes. Um, Oh, yeah, one more thing I want to bring up the Blackhawks. They uh, mentioned that... uh, against drafting a guy at number 11, which is interesting because they drafted Drew Camesso pretty uh, highly next year. Interesting because Drew Camesso had a good year at Boston University. I don't think he got that much playing time, but uh, in the games he played, I think he had like a 9-15-6%, which is not bad in your year. Um, and then he went up, went and was the third-string goalie for the U.S. I don't think he played a game, but he won bronze. But uh, that's just a lot that as a as an eighteen year old, I don't even think he's nineteen yet. Um, that he got to play time in Boston University and also uh, got to be the third string goalie for the United States. Like it speaks a lot. Like they, like the U.S. development program must like, really think highly of them. Same with the Blackhawks, so that's good to see. But uh, I don't know if he's a high end starter, like what uh, like what maybe Wallstead or Coates are. So I just want I, I know you're a draft. I've kind of been looking into this a bit more, but I wonder what you think about those two goalies, like Wallstead and uh, Kosa. Who play I think, with. um, I haven't, I haven't really, honestly, I haven't really looked into the draft as much here, but I, oh, yeah? I mean, Wallstead's like, I, I mean, he's, he's awesome. Like, I don't really know who to compare him to in terms of style, but I mean, he, he had a good first half of the year, uh, in the SHL, I think towards the second half, he kind of slipped off a little bit, but, I mean, if you want a number one goalie, that's that's the main guy uh, this year is Jesper Wallstead. That's for sure. Um, I think uh, in turn, I, I think he's probably the second best goalie over like the last few years, like behind Spencer Knight. And then you have Wallstead and then you have Askarov. I think those would be like my top three in terms of goalies uh, who have gone in the first round over the last few years. But I mean, you can't really go wrong with Wallstead. It's He's a guy who turns into a number one goalie in the future and can like steal you games like we see what most goalies can now. I mean, can't really go wrong with the number one goalie. So, right there. I don't know That's if they sure. draft a goalie. To be honest, like I just, I just think they need more high end skill. To be honest, uh, they need more forward prospects. Line, like, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, we had Chris Peters on, and he said that he was behind Knight and Escarov, so it's interesting to hear that. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's close I, between I think the three, too. Yeah. Um, I think my like what I have for them right now, I think that would be a fit for them at number 11 or 12 or whatever it is because Arizona isn't picking, but whatever position they're at. Uh, I think Fabian Lassell yeah. makes sense. Maybe Mason McTavish, play second line center who also behind uh, Kirby Duck, who Chris Peters also gave high praise to. But it sounds like he might be going later. Whereas Fabian Lassell kind of he's kind of like Nuka as well, and like he was kind of divisive. Like he asked for a trade, and he was kind of divisive. Like he was invited to Sweden's roster or something. Like I'm pretty sure I saw. And yeah, I think like the Blackhawks can change on him, but uh, yeah. Um, so I think we've covered everything. Um, I was one like, did any of you guys do the expansion draft list last night? Because we like, oh, my plan was to have all of us do it, and then like we kind of go over our teams. Or, but if not, like I guess we could kind of try to do it together. I guess like try to come up with a consensus. I don't know. But you can go, Schmitty. Oh yeah, I I just have one like that I've thought up in my head from what I think they should do, and like obviously I we're talking like from the Hawks' perspective, right? 
or are we talking yeah, um, yeah just the whole okay yeah that's what i thought oh my god yeah it's like oh let me pick for every team real quick hold on um <laughs> give me 20 minutes but <laughs> um yeah. i i really think no. that um longer than that, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, lowballing it. But um, (laughs) I would definitely go 7-3-1 this year because, like, it sounds like they have to protect a lot of 22, 23-year-olds. That, like, it sounds like they need to protect Mm -hmm. Borgstrom, they need to protect Hagel, they need to protect Nylander, and then you got Taves, King, Debrinkit. So that's six already. And then your seventh guy, well, yeah, probably Strom, but – um. Yeah, and then that leaves guys like Gaudet and Camp exposed. And then defensively, it's probably going to be Keith Murphy. And then, depending on where the organization Zodorov, stands right. on Zadorov, him or Dahan. Yeah. Like, which is or Stillman, gonna, even maybe. Interesting to see. Yeah. Like, that's I can the thing. See that. They signed Stillman to the extension. And it would be interesting to see that they signed him to the extension and then expose him. So, like, that whole thing with Stillman and Zadorov is going to be Keith and Murphy are the two defensemen they bring. But uh, I think it would be either Stillman or Zidorov. And honestly, if I'm Stan Bowman, but I'm not, I would I would predict Stillman over Zidorov. It's like, yeah, know. like you could develop Stillman more. He's only like 23, I think. So, but um, yeah. yeah and Seabrook does does Seabrook have to be protected for the draft? No, he doesn't. No. He no, doesn't. They, I, ben, I think Ben Pope said that a couple mo- like a month or I've two seen ago. It, I've seen it like everywhere. No, like some like yeah. Like I, I was if, I wasn't sure on that. Because, like, I saw when La- – like, if Lazarus and Powers do their thing and they say Seabrook doesn't have to be protected, I trust their opinions because they usually are pretty tight with what the Hawks are doing. But um, I I really am curious on who Seattle's going to take because, like, I feel like Gaudette's the obvious pick for, like, upside. And then they, they could take a guy centers. like David. There's not really a lot of centers. They need centers, which, like, David Camp could be a guy, though. Because, like, much as we hate to say it, David Camp's fourth-line center on probably every team in the NHL. So, like, they could pick a guy like him. I would love to see them pick a guy like the Han and just get that cap hit off the books this year. But yeah, or I just like even have to throw him a sweetener. Oh man, I just basically in my head I've said Conley's getting bought out. I don't even think they take Conley unless they're that weak in goal scoring that they think okay we can get twenty from this guy. Like, I don't know. They they have a lot of interesting options. Or what if it's like. Hmm? Yeah, or if it's like okay, here's a Dylan Strom. If you get if you take on Dylan Strom, you get or no, if you take on Brett Connolly, we'll give you Dylan Strom. You know, I don't know. I'm just. Spitballing. I mean, you get rid of six yeah. and a half million dollars off the cap. That would be huge. Like, yeah. And I also want to say the Hawks have been extremely lucky the last two expansion drafts. Panarin didn't have to be protected, oh, no. like Definitely. Vegas. Yeah. We don't have to protect Doc Boquist or like Kalanuk or any of these guys. Kubelik. Like we have been very yeah, Kubalik. No, the fact that we don't have to protect Kubalik is a joke. Like, oh my gosh, we are so lucky. Like, oh my gosh. like what's so the worst good. case? What, what's the worst case scenario for the Blackhawks? Like, Riley, yeah, Riley Stillman. Like, is that <laughs> David Camp? Whoa, darn! Jeremy yeah. Allison loses his number one toy. He won't get to play with David Camp any or Patrick Kane anymore. Or oh, darn, <laughs> whatever will we do? He'll have to develop. Honestly, I wouldn't else. mind if he lost to Han. Like. I, oh, I want to lose the worst. I just don't think Seattle's going to take him. Like they've come out and said yeah, publicly they don't like him. Yeah. So, but also, oh, yeah, was, that's true because he had he had him in Carolina too. I believe. I was about to say, was Ron Francis the GM when they signed him? I no, I'm pretty sure. Maybe or was Waddell I there? I can't recall off the top of my head, but yeah, yeah I don't, I think I don't remember. It was 2018. Waddell traded him. Yeah. Okay, I'm that makes more sure. sense. 
Hey, I mean, that's Ron Francis's guy, so maybe. That would be the only thing I could think of. But it sounds like, from what Lazarus said in, like, an athletic article, it sounds like they really like Gaudet and Camp right now. Uh, so That makes one sense. Of those they need center depth. It's hard to get center depth. Well, Adam, like, Adam Gaudet makes center. the most sense. Like, the yeah. guy can get 40 points if you put him in the top six in the right spot. And, like, we saw it in stints with the Hawks. He's got skill. He had a yeah. that really good – um. He had a good game against the Panthers this year where he was just all over the place making plays. And, like, obviously he's got that skill. He's a Hobie Baker winner. So, but, like, what if well, we could Dylan just, like, Spira's package it? <laughs> Yeah, right? I, I wish there was a way we could just, like, be like, hey, Ron Francis, you could take the, uh, Adam Gaudet, but, like, take Calvin DeHaan, too, and, like, maybe a fourth-round pick. There you go. That's nice. You could take him. And then we don't have to deal with him, and he doesn't have to clock spots for, like, why Kalamak. <laughs> Or also, like, or any of our young defensemen. I did want to say, like, when going back to like when they were we were talking about like all the Hawks news and stuff, they did say in that article that it sounds like they want to give Bodan and Mitchell a lot of AHL time next year, which I like. They well, want them to play like because it. it'll be yeah. a regular AHL season too, so that'll definitely help. Yeah. But like, if they're on their top pairing Go in the AHL, them. I would a okay with that. Yeah. And then I, I don't is Vlasic going back to school next year or is he? Uh... Yeah, he's he's, okay. yeah, he'll go back. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't know if he was going signing his contract or not. You never know with those oh, no. yeah, I'm college sure defensemen. Yeah, Vlasic probably will stay all four years there. I wouldn't be surprised. Gotcha. It's probably better for him too. Anyway, it seemed oh, yeah, like he was pretty pretty raw mm-hmm. talent when he got drafted. So, yeah, he still but, is pretty raw overall right now. I'd say too. Like, okay. I mean, there's still like a lot to fill out there. I think I, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy. Who it's um, but like he could be like. I'd say at best like a depth guy, like a like a depth or third pairing, like defensive defenseman. But yeah. I don't I don't much more than that really. Um but yeah, I mean with like you said, like most of these college guys, you like never know. <laughs> some guys That's stay what... a few years, some some guys are like one and done. You've seen that recently with like Zegris and Turcot. But well, now, they should be one and done for sure, because they exactly. were I think Turcot could have spent like another year at school, like another year or but two. But Zegra was ready. Better. Oh yeah, for sure. He, he's he's already ready for the NHL too. He shouldn't even be in the AHL. He's right electric. Oh, he's yeah. like they. I think they, yeah, that one goal against Ontario was like he was basically like tooling. He's like basically tooling with them. He like, oh yeah, it was like a backhand toey and put him in the back, and then he just made it look so easy. Oh yeah, he's just so dynamic with the puck, and like it it's shows amazing. that like you could throw some players to the wolves, but because like, like Drysdale had a rough time in Anaheim. Drysdale, I was gonna say, yeah, Drysdale had thrown to the wolves. Rough. Poor guy. Poor guy. Oh, man. But that's yeah. exactly why you shouldn't rush defensemen to the NHL either. Right there. It's, it's <laughs> especially when Anaheim is not like a contender either. Like they're not in a good spot right now. You, mm-hmm. you just give just give Drysdale like more time in the NHL. You're just better off. Definitely. For the team I, and for him. Yeah. Like it was a weird season because it really, really wasn't really much of an AHL season. So, yeah, I, yeah. I'd rather them playing top pairing minutes in the AHL. And them like playing every other third game or whatever it was. So yeah, definitely. yeah, it was a tough year. But but you see with defensemen, it takes time. Like Duncan Keith, it took him was a not- to figure it out. You know, took and Seabrook a second round pick too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is even exactly. more remarkable. Like, yeah, he like didn't he like back out of going to Michigan State to go to Kelowna for a few years, then went to sure. the AHL for a few years. And then he was in the NHL. That he, but, um, I believe yeah. he played in Norfolk at the time. But like the Hawks were affiliated that's what with it was. Norfolk. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I didn't know if it was Norfolk or um, Milwaukee, but I guess it's the same team now because like mm-hmm. they're yeah, the. I remember like, when Anaheim was, was but... like they were linked with uh, Norfolk. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to go all the way from the west side of the country all the way to the other side. It's like when Vegas was with the wolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, isn't it Carolina? Or someone's with the wolves now. That makes no sense. But yeah, um, Carolina. Yeah, like it's, it's they, they were wacky. just better off staying in Charlotte. I think most teams are just better off having their AHL teams locally. This is better yeah. for the fans. This is better for the team in general. It's better for opportunities. Oh yeah, like, it's so useful for the Hawks to have the Rockford forty minutes away or something like that. I know. Like it's, I know. It's just a it's weird perfect. spot, but like, I mean, Rockford's a good place. I, I like mm-hmm. enjoy going to games when I have the chance to. So. Oh yeah, definitely. But, but literally, most but, teams have their AHL teams local. Even their ECHL teams too. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's a, not far from Chicago at all. It's like yeah, maybe four hours. Yeah, that's that's like the car right away. Like yeah. that's super. That's like suit. That's just super nice to have, especially like especially like you said with the ECHL because it seems like there's a lot of transactions that have between them and the AHL a lot. Mm-hmm. So and it's nice that they're like, only a little bit away. And there's not a ton of guys get called up to the AHL or just get like PTO to the AHL teams this year. I think they had the most of like the whole. Uh, league of the teams who didn't opt out. I just can't remember exactly how many guys they had get called up or um, signed PTOs. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that, like that. That's just crazy to think about. Like how many like PTOs those guys sign, and then they just like I don't know how that works. They just come right back if they don't sign it, or is it? Uh... Uh, yeah. So they had a goalie who got called. He just had like three different PTOs this year, um, and. He played like he played a couple games with like one team, but like he didn't stay. He just like came back. Um, but then like it was weird because like Cliff Watson had a PTO with Rockford, but then he gets sent back down. But then he get called right back up, and so I don't know if he actually signed it. But he was just like back and forth a lot. But I know it was originally like a PTO he went up on. Okay, yeah, gotcha. That's interesting because like it sounds like it's just like different case, different player type thing in a way. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, we had like a couple guys who like. They came back at the end of the season just because the AHL season ended since they didn't like have their playoffs this year. So we had a couple guys like come back, but they just spent the majority of the season with their AHL team. Got it. So. That's cool. Yeah. But like I like the thing I know going back to like the college defenseman thing. Oh, what Pierce? Oh, okay. I was, was just actually <laughs> one in year of draft eligibility. Oh, he did. And not his first one. Yeah, he was supposed to. His, his original year was 2001. He won 2002 in the second round. Hmm. 54th overall. Well, that's, that's yeah, got to be a rare up. story of someone being in their second year draft eligibility and probably going higher or something. Usually yeah, he it's played like, in the BCHL in his draft year, and then he played at Michigan State in the second, and then dra- or cool. draft plus one year, he played at Michigan State, and then he played one year in Kelowna, and then two years in Norfolk, and then he made it to the Blackhawks, and uh, the rest that's of the That's an interesting path. Oh yeah, definitely. That's a wild path. And now, it, it, like, I don't blame the guy for when he signed that long-term contract after that. <laughs> like, when he signed like a fourteen-year deal, he's like, "Give me my money. I have been all over the place. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, give me stability." <laughs> and I just, just want to go through his resume of what he's won. So, two Olympic gold medals, two thousand ten, two thousand three Stanley Cups, two thousand ten, two thousand. 15, two uh, Norse trophies, 2010, 2014, uh, one my trophy in 2015. Pretty Incredible. decent. But well, remember, he's still not the best defenseman of the 2010s. Okay. No. no. Name another defenseman with that resume. No one. <laughs> like, you got to go back to, like, Lindstrom. Like, obviously, 
Yeah, obviously Carlson and Henry are up there, but I mean, as peak Duncan Keith was probably the best defenseman. Peak Duncan Keith is and, unbeaten. And I know, and I think people, I think people like accept the fact. I feel I don't know if it's just me, but I feel he doesn't get as much credit as as he should. You know, like I feel he's, he's falling off a cliff. He was. Yeah, definitely. That, that I think that. No, just, it, it, here's the thing. This is my opinion, Pierce. Just on Keith. Analytics really have picked up the last five years or so, and like the way Keith's game's falling off, it doesn't favor analytics in one bit. So, and oh, every no. analytics website when they post their like defensive things, it shows Keith at the bottom every time. And like, but then I watch him on the eye test, and like he doesn't seem like he's out of position all the time. It just seems like there's like one mishap where he's like a second behind, and they get scored on. Like, I feel like he's still a good. Like he would like. He, Everyone says like he's trash now, but I guarantee you, twenty-five teams in this league would take him if he if we traded him. Whether he plays Here's on the, the bottom thing. pair Black or he plays in the second like pair. He... Yeah, yeah, you're right. He plays too much minutes. Like, yeah, he's if, not twenty. He's not thirty-two defense. anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, he's, I, he's I perfect in like a second pairing role this year. Like especially yeah. especially this year, like you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously been some declining there, but like. I think he's still fulfilled for like a second pairing role. Yeah, no, I, especially over the next few years, he's just yeah, not a top pairing guy anymore. That's just the reality. But I mean, second fine. pairing. He need to be. Even I'd be curious to see how he'd even like do in a third pairing if he got even like some more ice time there. I don't know, but second yeah. pairing, I think that he's just better off there right now. Yeah, he's just not a guy who can play twenty four minutes a night anymore, and that's fine. Oh, exactly. He shouldn't be that guy. But the and no. the problem is. Colleton makes him that guy. Like this year, he kind of slowly started shifting to Murphy more. Like Murphy, I think had more time on ice per game than Keith this year. So that's interesting because I I can't remember the last time Keith didn't lead the team on time on ice. So, like obviously they're starting to Probably get it to through to him. But also, it just it would help if we had a better left-handed defenseman. Like our we're very like stagnant on the left side. Like Calvin DeHaan and Nikita Zadorov are ugh. Wyatt Kalanuck was a great surprise this go, year. Yeah. Like, I, Alec Martinez probably makes more sense for this team than Dougie Hamilton in a way. I was going to Because, like, the right side I'll, could I'll be I'll fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah, Alec Martinez bomb. signing would probably brain yeah. bust this team. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that was probably a lot of fans will probably vomit out the fact of that, but, like, just looking at from an analytics standpoint, how he can help the team, that's probably the best, their best option to go. Because he's oh, like yeah. been legitimately good with this. It would trigger the PTSD for a lot of people, yeah. but <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Then they get Nick Laddie back too, and then it just comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Did that oh, Martinez? And they put him on the same pair. Yeah, that Martinez yeah. goal, I think in 2014, the Western Conference final, I think it deflected off Laddie. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why I said it. Nick Laddie's elbow, baby. He literally had a goal go off his elbow, and Bowman was like, "Okay, bye." We're gonna ship you to New York forever. <laughs> like, hey, I mean, it's like it's like Eric Gustafson. He turned the puck over and he had to go live in the AHL for a year because Quinn he was dead in Quinville's eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I just think that I always think that's hilarious at Gustafson. He like played in the 2016 playoffs, was so bad that they buried him in the AHL for a year and a half, and then he came back up and a year later at 60 points. It's like. One of the weirdest stories I've seen. You just did basketball. not like him here. No, he's an excellent. You had a point. You had a point. All right, like he's not good at defense. <laughs> like 
I love listening to Habs fans on Twitter now talk about Gustafson because, like, when they traded for him at the deadline, they were like, "I," because every time someone signs Gustafson now, right, or trades for him, they're like, "Well, he did have sixty points once upon a time," and it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but he still was a minus." And I usually don't do plus minus a lot, but if you're the guy, can't play. So it's better. <laughs> There's a problem there, dude, and also like. The amount of like brain farts Eric Gustafson has is just shocking. Like the amount of times he just fumbled at the blue line and then just gets cooked on a breakaway <laughs> happens a little too sure much, a little more than you expect. Against, uh, Toronto, sure I think. Winnipeg or, or, or oh no, it was Winnipeg. It was. Yeah, right. it was, Winnipeg. It, it was yeah. He like made a mistake at the point he like fell or something. I forget what it was, and then he just led to like a breakaway goal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it would have been better if like they just traded Gus with. Like, his value is super high at that deadline. Like I agree. I don't I don't really see us getting like a first round pick back in that scenario, but it, at least if you get like they could have gotten a you could have even gotten like a high second rounder, who knows? But my thing is I think you could have got there. a first. Because think about mm-hmm. how like all those contract like think about the lightning two years ago when they got all those guys on cheap cap hits this year and next year. Gus was on a 1.2 mil cap yeah. hit for the next year after that. Bowman could have sold that so hard in 2019, but this team was on their little fucking PDO bender where they were getting a bunch of power play goals in February. So he was like, no, we're going to make the playoffs. We can't get rid of Gustafson. They could have got the Hartman return for Gustafson. I'm confident. They could have got the Hartman return easily for Gustafson that year because he was, at that point, he had like 47 points and was just elect. His shot was just electric that year. Like everything he touched turned to gold in terms of his shooting. Like oh his my power gosh. play time is unbelievable too. Exactly. Like, every, every time he was on the power play, it felt like we had a legit number one quarterback. He, and it, he was just slinging the puck to Kane to bring it like it was nobody's business. Like yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can't wait till Dougie Hamilton does that next year. <laughs> oh I'd my love gosh. to see Dougie here. I would absolutely love it. I feel like Dougie on the power play would just be lethal. <laughs> he, it would. I mean, he, he's had, of course, like much better teammates in Carolina over the last few years, which I think it's kind of like inflated his offensive numbers a little bit, but mm-hmm. like at the same time, he's still like a stud and his, the analytics have always favored him no matter what, mm-hmm. even when he was in Calgary, when he didn't have like two productive of seasons there. But mm-hmm. I mean, I I love him here. I, I don't feel like he'd ask for a ton of money. I don't really see him asking for like, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't see him just asking for museums, like, man. a million. The thing that makes it – the reason I think Dougie wants money is because, like, I know he turned down six from Carolina, which is low-balling him, to be fair. But was, I know yeah, his camp was asking for eight. So – And he warns it. He warns it. That yeah. isn't bad. Especially no. in a flat cap. Well, I feel like if the cap was higher, I, I think he'd ask for more. But, like, flat yeah. cap world now, I mean, that's, I feel that's like awesome. That, feel. that certainly helps. Yeah. I forget Pedrangelo's making eight point eight. I always forget that. I always yeah, think it's 8. like 8, yeah, which is a good deal. Like definitely, I always think it's like over ten, <laughs> right? Like oh think. my gosh. And then I think like I, the thing with Hamilton is just like I just don't want because like he's that type of defense. Like I don't know how like his like injury history has been, but like it just screams being Seabrook two point in about three years. And just being an anchor if he falls off a cliff. And that's the only thing that scares me. Or it's going to be something to where the cap's really tight in three years when we got to extend everyone. Because, like, I don't know what the hell Bowman's thinking, but, like, everyone's up in the same year. Uh, in, like, two years or whatever. Like, Kane, Debrinkit, Taves. 
I think Doc and Boquist are up the year before, but they're going to get like bridge deals because there's no way they warrant big money. Um, unless Doc is like a point per game next year, which would be awesome. So <laughs> not going to complain about that. But I just, I don't know. Should be interesting. I, weird. So, I was told that the brink kit was overpaid. Yeah, I, I, I was told he's a bust and just, like, not good. And yeah. that was a fluke 41-goal season, even though he was on, like, a 52-goal pace this year. <laughs> even though – and we could only keep one of Kubelik or Debrinket. I was told Oh, my well. God. Yeah, Kubelik. <laughs> God, stupid. I'm just thinking of that tweet where he's like, Kubelik making 3.8 or whatever with 30 goals. Debrinket making 6.7 with 18 goals. I don't know. Which one do you keep, guys? Oh, why not both? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. But like, the only thing I don't like about Dougie Hamilton is he does take a lot of penalties. That's my only thing. Besides that, like he's great. Mm. But I have like, every time he plays the Hawk, he takes like two penalties a game. It feels like, (laughs) cause you know, Patrick Kane or Alex to bring it skating around him. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dougie Hamilton would be night. Like, arguably, we haven't had a top two level defenseman since we won the cup. Like, maybe, like, mm-hmm. maybe 2016, 17, like, Keith was maybe still at that level. Same with Jalmerson, but like, that elite of a defenseman, we haven't had that since Duncan Keith had that incredible run in 2015. Exactly. Well, I It'd found nice an interesting have. stat about Debrinket, actually. So, his uh 32 goals actually ranked ahead of dry saddle ranson crosby and ovechkin and he also finished third yep. in goals per 60 and second in goals per game and they this first year. to uh matthews yeah yeah that, that's ridiculous that's ridiculous <laughs> so he, good, he scored 50 goals this year at, at an 82 game pace man that makes me wonder what matthews will score like what right, Matthews would have got sixty in a sleep. He would have got like sixty in a sleep. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! Like I, like you know, like the Dangle podcast thing where it was like Phil Kessel's the best forty goal scorer to never score forty goals. Austin Matthews yeah, is the best, best fifty goal scorer to never score fifty goals. <laughs> He's been robbed two years in a row of probably getting it in his sleep. Like, oh my gosh! It and then he scored no goals in the playoffs. Well, and they scored one, but we don't count that. He scored zero <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> Mickey Mouse division doesn't count, am I right? Dude, did you see the players, um, the NHLPA voting on like all the stuff this year? And they were like, should we keep the division oh, alignments? Yeah. And it was like 80% no. And I was like, okay, so the 20% is <laughs> probably like halves. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like all the Canadian teams are like, yeah, let's keep it. And everyone else is like, no, what no. the fuck is this division? <laughs> like, if I'm the Rangers right now, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, or, or I'm Dallas or something. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I was the 15th ranked team in the league or whatever, and these coconuts are in the final four because they got the winner of Mouse Division. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just tells you how wacky this league is. So backwards. And I, we we have to go back to the old ones. Like, I, I think I brought this up last podcast. Who other in the West besides Vegas and Colorado is a really scary team? I don't think anyone else legitimately is. Like, Unless someone makes like legitimate moves this offseason. Like, yeah. let's put it this way: if Minnesota, Minnesota got Eichel, Eichel. Minnesota yeah. would be pretty dangerous. But yeah. a lot of guys are middle of the pack right now. Like Nashville's mm-hmm. middle of the pack. St. Louis middle of the pack. You got yeah. um, 
Yeah, Dallas is pretty middle of the pack. Like, obviously, if Sagan's healthy, they're probably a little better. They were pretty banged up yeah, this year. Yeah. Well, I so I, I bet Dallas. No, but they're they're probably like the three seed at least. Yeah, and then definitely. you got Winnipeg who can't play defense. Um, and then you got us <laughs> who were just hell of a terrible. Save for that. And Arizona yeah. in the central. Oh God! At least we won't come in last place this year because <laughs> no. Arizona's right there. <laughs> Yeah. Arizona, Arizona had it worse well, than Buffalo somehow because they didn't even have a first round pick this year. <laughs> they got it taken away from the league. <laughs> oh man, poor Nick Schmaltz. It's not inconceivable. Yeah, it's not inconceivable that the Blackhawks can make the playoffs next. You know, like <laughs> if they make the, if they sign Dougie Hamilton and somehow get veteran presence in that, I, I, it's going to be. A, and Tapes comes back, it's going to be very hard for me to argue them like anywhere but a four seed because like they can make it if they have that like the and fact that this say, team was in the running with just Kane to bring it and Kubli yeah. scoring is and no doc either. no doc no doc and when he was here he was like not 100 and he was still pretty good at not 100 like 10 points in 17 games with a broken wrist that's pretty fucking good like mm-hmm. adam boquist was good before he got hurt this year like that's the only thing that concerns me with them i they need to have a full healthy season next year for me like because they got an injury history already, and I don't like that. <laughs> and you could I also say, don't like, like. I was just say I don't like how our two youngest stars both broke their wrists in like within a calendar uh, year. I don't like that at all. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I was though? gonna say. I was gonna say like even if they don't like make the central division uh, like spots, look at the Pacific. They could still make the wild card. Who in the Pacific besides Vegas is a good team? Like. You go through the teams. You got the Canadian teams, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Okay, I would say Edmonton probably makes it because uh, – They get depth finally. If they go sign yeah. depth, they could probably make it. Like, it's but, just stopping top-heavy. <laughs> well, is Seattle going to be a playoff team? Probably not. Or any of the California teams going to be playoff teams? No. <laughs> like, See, you say Seattle's going to be a playoff team, but, like, with the, how wild the West is, they might be. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, yeah. uh, they, I think they have a better chance than the California teams, but, like – 100%. Oh, man. Like, like the only team in California I can see making a run at the playoffs next year would be the Kings, and the Kings would just have to make a lot of moves, like get an Eichel or like yeah. actually sign two top six forwards, like they say they're gonna do. So it'll be yeah. it'll be really like the West. It's gonna be the wild wild West for sure. And then every Eastern yeah. team's gonna be pissed because they're all gonna be really good. And then we're gonna have like really crappy teams and from the Central in the playoffs in the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I think Montreal. If we have the real standings, Montreal is not even in the playoffs right now. No, they're fifth in their division. Like mm-hmm. Toronto would probably be fourth in their division this year if they played like their actual yeah. division. Like they're not oh, better yeah. than Boston, Tampa, or Florida. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Like Florida last year beat them like eight to one or something like that. Like <laughs> they're not good. They're not good. But they're built for playoff hockey. <laughs> oh yeah, bro. Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton built them for that for sure. <laughs> Gosh. Oh man. The West is just gonna be a shit show next year. <laughs> and that's why we need Dougie Hamilton, boy. That's why we need Dougie Hamilton, ladies and gents. <laughs> and then sign Tukarask because Boston does not appreciate that. God, if we could get Tukarask. I know he doesn't want to leave Boston, but like Kevin no. Lankin, come learn from one of the best finished goaltenders ever. Walk yeah. down the aisle to Karask. Like, oh my god. Like Three? who would like, just like Yeah, just veteran presence. Yeah. 
or James yeah. Reimer or Chris Drieger. Any of that. I think James oh. Reimer makes a lot of sense, honestly. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know they like Subban, and, like, I, it sounds like from what Charlie Romaliota says, it sounds like they might just go back in with having really – because, like, it does help to have cheap goaltending, too. Like, the fact that they're only putting, like, 1.7 mil yeah. towards their goaltending helps immensely with how, like, lacking depth this team is. But, yeah. like, now they can address that depth, and, I mean, they got guys. They just need to – Get it together on the back end, and they need better team defense too. Like this needs this seems to go down oh, to the yeah. forwards too at this point. Like y'all got to try more on your own end. And Debrinket stepped up this year. Like he was amazing two way this year. And like Suter was pretty good defensively this year. But like guys like Kubalik need to like step up a little more on their own end. Because like I feel like that's why Collinson doesn't play him much because he doesn't play defense a lot. But then like the analytics show that he kind of does. So I'm fucking know. <laughs> At least the eye test. And he thinks like Kubalik like should get more power play too. Kubalik should be on the number one unit. Period. He should, like he I don't needs know. To be on the top unit, like without a doubt, it's not even close. He, I, I, th- I thought last year, like he's like the perfect guy in like that right circle area. Mm-hmm. Like perfect guy there, especially he, as a goal scorer. But he can also make plays too, and oh, which yeah. is important to have, especially when you're like on the tops of the circles like that. It's important, like, to be able, of course, score goals. Everyone wants to score goals, but at the same time, you have to make plays too. So, yeah, you could like that. And he was so good on the power play this year. It was like an exact opposite from last year where he was doing everything five on five. He was doing almost everything like on the power play early on this year. He was making great passes. Like that one goal he had to Yanmark against Tampa where he just like touched past it like 45 feet right on the Yanmark's tape in front of the net. That was great. Like, the thing that I feel like holds them back from putting Kubalik on that top power play is like they don't know where they're going to put Patrick Kane then. Because like Debrinket will be left, unless they want to put Debrinket in the bumper, which like could work. But like mm. I feel like Kane's spots on the power play are either right circle, left circle, or they could put him at the top. I don't know. Like put him like top of the key and just let him quarterback it. And then you got Kubalik on one side, Debrinket on the other side, Taves and Doc in the middle or something. I don't know. But, that's not even a bad option too. Like having them at the point, I've always wondered like what it would be like to have like five forwards on a power play unit. You know, I never know what it would be mm-hmm. like because I feel like they, just having defensemen there it certainly helps. But like they're basically a forward for the time. You know? So I yeah. feel like I I think it'd be a cool concept. Like, dive into uh, more of that. Yes, that's- definitely, and especially since like three out of the five guys that you would run that with are pretty good both ways. Like, Debrinket, Taves, and Doc can cover their ass if something happens. Kane and Kubelik, exactly. like, they can, but, like, not as much. Mm-hmm. But, like, you would just have way more options, I feel like. And, like, I guess you don't want to stack your top power play unit in a way, but, like, yeah, every other team does it, and it works. So, mm-hmm. also, like, they need to be more mobile on the power play. Like, they need to stop being, no. like, so tight. Like, they start moving. Like, Colorado and Tampa how they move around. It's ridiculous. It's like they're playing think, a different sport. It's crazy. It, Colorado puck movement's ridiculous on the power. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I've never seen a team, other than Tampa Bay, like move the puck around so quickly on the power play. It's ridiculous to see what they can. And like, when you're moving Boston the puck that quickly, fast. like, yeah, exactly. And when you're moving the puck that quickly, it forces coverage to move all over the place. You're tiring out more yeah, you gotta, compared you to gotta when you're just not moving. moving. Yeah, exactly. Compared to when you're not moving, nothing's really going to happen. You're not really going to tire them out that much. Um, but Colorado is ridiculous when it comes to that. That's for sure. Like it's so exciting to watch. Like Macar, like they, it's it's just like rockets of passes everywhere. Like everywhere oh, yeah. you look, they're just firing the pocket. It's crazy. It's crazy. 
It's crazy to think of Kale McCarr. If he probably plays a full season, he wins the Norris as like a 22-year-old or 23-year-old. Like in his first two seasons, mm-hmm. he would have had a Calder and a Norris if he plays yeah. a full season. It's insane. I think Adam Fox I, needs to win it this year, though. Oh, yeah. He's going to win Adam Fox opinion. is my guy. My guy yeah. for sure. Like, especially he had better underlying numbers, too, on a, like a worse team. And with worse he was great like, in transition teammates this year, at 5 like, on 5 oh like the like, quality, comp- like the quality competition he was playing uh, against was better than Hedman, better than McCarr. The quality of his teammates mm-hmm. that he's playing with was better, <laughs> was worse. <laughs> so, I mean, Adam Fox is my like go-to guy for the Norris this year, and like, I mean, hundred percent. Like, one thing I say with the Norris a lot is like, you take Adam Fox off the Rangers, they're in shambles. You take exactly. Victor Hedman off the Lightning, they're better without him sometimes. You take Kale McCarr off, next man up mentality will throw Bowen Byron or something, or Connor Timmons. Like, yeah, because Hedman had a rough year this year. He, I don't, mm-hmm. he shouldn't even be yeah. in this conversation really. Like, it's literally just just had At this point, you should have thrown Drew Doughty yeah, if we're just gonna throw random people in. Like honestly, <laughs> Keith as well. Why not? <laughs> no, nah, I think Y Kalanick should have gotten. I was honestly like throwing Dougie in there. You could very much argue Sam Gerard too. Mm-hmm. Like he was lights out this year. Any of the like, defense. Yeah, Devontae yeah. too. Like yeah. Adam Pellick, yeah. Ryan Pollock. Adam Pellick. Like there should be a defensive defenseman award. Because obviously I agree. Or just the Bobby Orr award so that we can just get the offensive defenseman out of the way. Because yeah, you have like two separate awards. I think that's a good idea. Because mm-hmm. like literally yeah, literally, like most of the evaluation when it comes to the Norris is literally just based on offense mostly. And, and I think like most a, people like, go ahead, go it's ahead. Like Dylan. The, it's like that with Selkie too. Like Selkie, they just look at yeah. points, and it's like, like if you look at it this year, Mark Stone should probably win it out of the water, but not even close. they're gonna give it to like Barkov. He should, he should win at least a few times. He's a yeah, center, but they're gonna give it to like, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But <laughs> I swear, I swear, like, Mark Stone's literally a center playing wing. Like I, I look at him most of the time when he's playing out there, I literally don't even view him as a wing. He literally looks like a center. He's so good. I think that's like, and I'm surprised of, like, he hasn't gotten like 40 goals because he's got a good I shot know. too. Like, I know he does, he does. But going back to Adam Fox, I think Adam Fox is like probably the guy I enjoyed watching most this year. Like, like he doesn't have like the shifty skating of like like a Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr, but like. I think it's his IQ and like his deception that makes up for that. Like he's so deceptive at the point, and he's he's so poised too. He's he has to be oh, yeah. like the most poised defenders I've ever like watched, especially like over the last few years. Because Fox isn't able, well, he isn't afraid, I should say, to like make a play at the very last second. And most 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 players, especially defenders in the league, don't have like the requisite poise to do that. It's so hard to do, and so ha- hard to have the patience for that. And this Fox, I mean, he's just unbelievable. All three zones, everywhere. I just think it's hilarious that um, when they traded for Truba, it was like, yeah, we finally got this number one guy. And then they just, like, quietly traded for Adam Fox, and Adam Fox has turned into their number one defenseman. Like, <laughs> like the fact that Adam Fox has been an afterthought in multiple trades before he came into the NHL is insane. Like, he, he was, like, like, imagine him on Calgary right now. He'd be so, like, he would be exactly what they need. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they traded both of them, but they got Lindholm, so you know. <laughs> what was and it? Like, <laughs> oh, and Hannafin, who's like oh what, God. like a four, like maybe. <laughs> and like yeah, probably. Like we were, look, 
we were looking at Calgary's contracts. They got three guys that are like all like going into their thirties locked up at like a big cap hit. And it's like any one of those guys could have been Adam Fox. If you guys just would have hung on to him. <laughs> oh my God. It's crazy. Like, especially in his draft year too. Like he is, I think he's kind of like the same player he is now on his draft year. I mean, granted there's like, he's made some improvements over time in his game, but like, there's so much skill and so much raw talent in his game and his draft year. I was just shocked. He was like, fell to the third round. I just never like seen the pinpoint, like why he fell that far too. Cause he put up 59 points in like 64 games with the NTDB U18. Yeah. I think part of it is like most people like consider offensive defensemen, like guys who just can't play defense. And mm-hmm. you see the trend so more nowadays. Like, like, offensive defensemen. Yeah. You see like the trend more nowadays where like offensive defensemen can actually play defense and they're actually getting better at playing defense like that most people actually think and adam fox is like a prime example of that like he's just only going to get better and he's gotten better and i think this year he, he's without a doubt norris trophy winner it's oh, not yeah. really close in my opinion no it's going to go to him no. though you know god if it goes I to him it's so dumb I, I wouldn't be surprised but i really hope it does not adam fox like the last two months of the season solidified that i feel like yeah he was just half electric year. Oh my god. He gosh. was ele- like he was- march on just so yeah. good. Yeah, he was unbelievable. That it was, it was so exciting to watch. Like just everything in this game. We like to talk about it a lot on the podcast like we're so set up for good defensemen for the next few years. Like the next wave of elite defensemen is so good. You have Makar, Haskinen, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, like if Rasmus Dahlin can get a coach and finally turn his game around, you see still super young and can turn it around. Like if it's just, isn't a, it's such a dynamic player. next generation of defensemen. You know what I mean? And it's going to be so much fun to watch. It's exciting. It's awesome. And Hastings yeah, hasn't even been talked about that much. I noticed too. He's Hastin like still needs pretty underrated. To be talked about more because like, he's, he's amazing. Still so underrated. He's, he's so, so good. good. People always say like like if you ask like anyone who like doesn't like kind of follow Dallas a lot, they'll be like, oh yeah, John Klingberg's the number one. It's like no, no, it's Miro Hastings and Miro Hastings and then Miro Hastings like. <laughs> He's and he's he's been doing it since he stepped into the league day one. That's what's crazy. And like, he's another one of those guys that knows when to turn it. Like, has that extra gear because like both times they made the playoffs, he was amazing for the stars in the playoffs, like mm-hmm. 2019 and 2020. If Dallas wins, he wins the Con Smith probably. Hundred percent, dude. Year. He was so good last year for Dallas in the playoffs. Like, same with oh Shane Theodore. Shane mm-hmm. Theodore is so yeah. electric. In he could have been a Norris finalist this year. I agree. Honestly. I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree totally. Like, like he's he's electric last year watching. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was so exciting offensively. Like he was just he was basically like a fourth forward. I, I think out there he's just he's been fun this year too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and he's been playing. I don't think he's been playing. I think most of his time has been spent in like the second pairing too. Like he yeah, has. He's with McNabb. Exactly. Right too. Yeah. Yeah, just another one of those guys that gets given away as a sweetener. That turns into it being an elite defenseman. Him and Adam Fox, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my He's god. He's gonna be on to Canada next year, Theodore. Oh yeah. hundred percent Him. Him and Petrangelo probably. McCarr. Carey Price. Devontae. <laughs> yeah, Carey Price now. Devontae should make was, the team and one of the Islanders defensemen should make the team. Like Adam Pellet. I was gonna say I was gonna say just go with all defensive bearings from each team. Just go Tate McCarr, Petrangelo, Theodore, and the Pelican Pulock. 
and you're good. God, that would be a ridiculous defense. <laughs> Just so many puck movers. But don't worry. But no, but we got to take two out because you know they're going to put Drew Doughty on the team. And then they got to put Morgan Riley, Riley on the team because, you know, he scores goals and none of those guys score goals, even though they do. Come on, Pierce. You know this. Dumb That's hockey minds. Right. We got to pick Morgan Riley at 70 points once upon a time. And we got to pick yeah. Drew Doughty for the pedigree because he's been there and done it, Pierce. Okay. Yeah. It's unfortunate that we don't have McDavid, McKinnon, Braden Point, and uh, Mark Stone and Ryan O'Reilly up front. No, but Jonathan Tate's going to make the team next year. Trying to grab Marshawn any of those guys. So, no, and they don't play defense. So, like, I don't. Nah, nah. Canada's a bunch of busts. What are we talking about here? It's going to be Finland next year, baby. Hmm? Oh yeah. But it actually is going to be Finland. Like, woof. No, Finland's always, Finland is always in there. They're always in at least the bronze medal game. It's going to be like the most competitive Olympics we've had in a long time. Oh, like, there's going to be eight teams that could make a run. Like, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And the U.S. is actually going to have a good team for once because they're going to – I mean, I hate Bowman, but I know he'll at least pick young guys who have some skill and not Ryan Callahan or Jack Johnson. So <laughs> – or Luke Glenn Denning. Dude, but a Jacob Slavin, Charlie McAvoy pairing? Yes, please. <laughs> that is a black then, hole. Then, like, you're getting nothing past that. Nope. <laughs> no, but then they're going to have the next pairing of, like, Seth Jones and someone else and John and Carlson. And then Jones, everyone yeah. gets by that one. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. Man. Yeah. John Carlson. Overrated. <laughs> But he has a cup, though. Yeah, and he's got all that money. <laughs> he's yeah, literally a poor man's Mike Green, though. He can never do what Mike Green did in his prime on that Capitals team. <laughs> Dude, Mike Green had 30 goals once, and I'm pretty sure he was a Norris finalist. Mike Green was awesome in Washington. <laughs> like He was so much fun and I'm to pretty watch, sure but... he was like on the taxi squad for Team Canada in 2010. I mean, shit, that should tell you right there. He's no Brent Seabrook, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um. Uh, so this is on an ESPN article from Greg Wyshynski. It says that there's strong speculation around the NHL that the Blackhawks are going to add a significant piece to their back end this offseason. Having a top-pairing to enable them to reduce the role of Duncan Keith, which is ideal for him at this stage of his career. They're going to have a lot of cap space open this summer. Remember, Brent Seabrook and Andrew Shaw have both. So that number above will rise, which puts them squarely in position for Dougie. The availability of Seth Jones complicates things. His agent, Pat Brisson, represents Patrick Kane and Jonathan Davis and reportedly has a solid relationship with GM Stan Bowman. But Jones has another year on his contract while Hamilton can be had without trading for significant return. If you're worried about us getting Seth Jones, I was actually listening to a podcast in front of the show, Chris Peters. He had Elliot Freeman on, and uh, Elliot Freeman, they were going through the teams that Seth Jones might go to, and Elliot Freeman said that Seth Jones is like fairly unlikely to go to Chicago. He doesn't see a fit there. And tell you Freeman, man, like if he says that I, it's, it's trust for each, trust the for each. Yeah. <laughs> he's mentioned his hand like a weight lifted yeah. off his chest. Oh my God. <laughs> but listen, oh the fact God. that it's been reported by multiple sources that the Hawks want a top pairing defenseman this off season, a la Dougie Hamilton, at least shows that they're willing to make yes. the right. Like they've, they've shown that they want to make that splash. So like they tried to go for Anders Lee a couple years ago and they probably, yeah. it, they probably would have got him. If Panarin signed in New York with the Isles, they I'm probably sure would have got Andersley. I'm pretty sure they went for after Joe Pavelski as well in 2019. And then Pavelski was like, I want to go to a winner. And he picked the two guys who made the cup final. Those are like his final two teams that he chose. An elite top yeah. line winger, Jimmy VC. 
<sighs> Can't forget that. Cannot oh, forget that, Spencer. You are so right. <laughs> Carried the line All of Tavares and Nylander, Jimmy VC. <laughs> I love how Jimmy VC did like the Leafs thing where he just goes to Vancouver and he's good for five games, <laughs> like Josh Levo did a couple years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man, I did that just get posted by Wachinski? Was that like yeah, just uh, yeah, it just ex- uh, like, I saw so, him. man, that's exciting, man. Sorry. Yeah, I saw him tweet it out and he's like potential fits, and it's like and I saw Blackhawks and I'm like, I look at this. Listen, man, and I can't wait for when we sign Dougie Hamilton and we're the team that's 18 mil over the cap. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome because our team all retired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude, I'm telling you, that's the cap. first thing that's gonna come up. Like we signed Dougie Hamilton to a big contract, you'd be like, Oh, but they still got up, they should put Brent Seabrook's thing on the cap. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. And then I can go tell everyone you're really going to tell Ren Seabrook to play when he said it's been hurting to sleep and walk for the last five years. Yeah. Have fun with that one. Like, <laughs> like reading that article about Seabrook really. Yeah. Shaw, I feel terrible for and like, God, he, he fought so hard to come back this year too. That's the worst part. Like he battled so yeah. hard and like all the doctors said he probably shouldn't come back and he still did. And then just takes one ding against Dallas, man. It sucks. <laughs> But he's got kids first to raise, so yeah. he's got a long. And he made a good amount of money and won two cups, so he, he yeah. had a he had a great career. So it's like he, there's nothing to be mad he at. Twenty goals, Brent Yeah, no, seriously, no, no. he once scored a goal at his head that should have probably won a game. <laughs> the rules weren't dumb. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he once bit Victor Hedman in the chest. <laughs> I stand by when I, by when I say that goal should have counted. That had much got to do that in the first. How much skill does that time. take? Like the the poise or like the focus to even get that is insane. Like exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good thing Marcus Kruger won that game because I would have been so oh, frustrated yeah. if we lost that game. <laughs> I oh, stayed up to like two. What? However late that game was, like one thirty. It was in the so morning. late. I did not yeah, know how many rude. nights I was going to stay up till two in the morning it was with that cup night. run. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like, they had four multi overtime games that cup run. Like, that's insane. Like, oh my god. I gosh. think the most out of their of their dynasty run is that I think they were eight and one in, in multiple OT games. That's insane. Like, I that's know. insane. The only one they lost was to the Blues. That's it. Like, yeah. Which, by the way, there's four OT games in that series and they still won two of them. Dude, the Hawks were just a special kind of breed back then. Like, like literally, like with all these other teams, it's like with the Capitals now, it's just like, oh, they just lose in five because they're not ready. With the Hawks, it was like, no, they go down 3-0, take it to seven, and then lose. Like they just love to do that. That was like their mm-hmm. their favorite way to lose. Let's lose in epic fashion <laughs> and come back down 3-0, 3-1, 3-1, and lose a bunch of times and then get goalied by the Preds. It's a blast. <laughs> Oh man, and hopefully it not change your team at all because it's just a four game. No, it, it, and the funniest part is it wouldn't like if that puck by Oduya goes in the net in game three, a completely different series. Like that where he like dumped it on the penalty because... kill and it went off the stanchion and almost in, but Rene just dove and got it with the stick. As soon as that oh, happened, oh, I was like, yeah. "Yeah, we're not winning this series. We're not winning this series." Because like that game, on top of that, they had like the goalie interference call that probably should have been called on yeah, Arvidsson. I was gonna say, didn't that get called. And and then they lose in overtime, and I'm like, yep, the series is over. Fuck this. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm like, Fuck oh, yeah, this. it's so, so stupid. God. Yeah, that series, that series is literally nightmare material. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Nightmare, 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 nightmare. Dude, they fucking lost one nothing in game one, and I'm pretty sure they had a five on three at one point in that game, or they had like multiple overtime or multiple power plays in the third and couldn't score. Just, oh, god, <laughs> overreaction. Just, oh, yeah, literally, week and a half changes the entire trajectory of a franchise for the next five plus years. I don't even, I don't even think it was that. I don't think it was a week. I was like, I might have been. I don't even know, man. They had to have been a week. It wasn't like because like. It wasn't they two just, weeks, I'll tell you that much. It wasn't two weeks. Yeah, it happened. It was, and yeah, it's the playoffs, but it's a four-game losing. Like, don't overreact to four-game losing stream. And like, and yeah, the, that team the signs were there too, play. though. It, that, when yeah. we were going into the playoffs, like they were blowing a bunch of leads and like doing what kind of the Lightning were doing in 2019, where they just like, they lost, oh, yeah. we're gonna come back late and win. But like. There's definitely like an underlying problem going on right now, which is Corey Crawford. They lost like seven nothing to Florida. Yeah, that was the eye opener game. You're so right. Where Marsha Show had a hat trick, and I was just like, and Kane got in a fight. Oh I'm pretty God. sure. I was like, this is yeah. They were the wheels are off the wagon. And then for some reason, Artem Anisimov going down just broke this team down the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Like he got hurt in the Montreal game, and like their forward depth was never the same after that. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What a what a, oh. what a wacky team. Hmm? Yeah, it's definitely been an, it's been a journey. Fourteen years of, I, of cheering for this team. Like I still don't know how they got fifty wins in twenty seventeen. Like I genuinely don't know how they did that with that team. Like I don't. There's, there's how. <laughs> it's and insane. like Nashville won team. Like they did it like uh, by all the advanced stats there, but Chicago was, but. Oh yeah, it's they not got like surprising. That they, no. Yeah, it's not surprising that they lost, but the fashion they lost in it was just, oh yeah, it's crazy. Like game one and game three really just said like, okay, this is just fucking shit. And then games two and four, you just like you knew they were getting their teeth kicked in. Game two was just hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that like, might have that probably is the worst playoff game they've ever played. Like hundred percent. Like, like that's worse away. than when they lost like five one to Vancouver back in the day. Like it's so much worse. Actually, no. Still their worst loss in the playoffs is when they blew that lead to the Kings and they in game two, where they let up five goals in the third period. That's still the worst one. That's still the worst one. They lost six two and Jeff I think Jeff Carter had a hat trick or something like that. That was a tough one. Because that was the first loss they had while leading after two periods in over four years. Or something like that. Or like that that game it happened and the blues game it happened too. Like uh, it was game three against the blues, I think, where they lost late. In 2016, I don't know, but still, <laughs> nothing Tough. dwelling on the but, past. But three cups, man! Like, we oh yeah, dude. three cups, really? It's awesome. Like, and like such the a, fact that we can look back on these moments is what's good. Yeah, like, they yeah, had a major, decade of success. Nostalgia. Oh yeah, dude! Like they were good. My whole like upbringing and childhood basically it was awesome. Yeah, like yeah. from when I was like eight to when I was like now, they were. Not now, like four years ago, they were still really good. Like, I don't know. It's it's just nice to like, because like that definitely, that whole team sparked a new generation of Hawks fans forever. Like, like now, like you can't call Hawks fans bandwagon fans. They've watched a shitty team for four years. Like I was going to yeah. joke when Julia said she was, she's been watching the Hawks since 2017. I was like, no one can call you a bandwagon. You've been here for all the shit. <laughs> like my friend Akeem became <laughs> no, a fan in 2017. Yeah. I'm like, you have been here for the worst of it. Like, sorry, bud. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, Julia. Uh, she won't. She had some Wi-Fi problems, so she won't be back. So, thanks for coming on, Julia. 
Um, but oh man, what was I gonna say? Um, just looking at Colorado lose made me thankful how the Blackhawks had such a good team and they got it done three times. It, it, yeah. it just shows that, that gear they had. It's so hard, yeah, to get like to win. It's so hard, and they did it three yeah. times, dude. And they made the conference final like five times in seven years. I that's think ridiculous. that's yeah. insane. And they made it that one year when it was Taves and Kane's second year in the league. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like they mm-hmm. made the conference final, and like yeah, they lost to a really good Red Wings team, but like they proved that they can get there at least, and it definitely like. Built so much. And then they won. That, yeah, they won. Then, like, 13, 14, 15. They went three times in a row to the conference final. They just had an unlucky... Bad tip away from a three-peat. I, I say that all the time. They are one bad bounce away from a three-peat. Because they were... Like, I said it... Like, as soon as Carey Price was down, I was like, all right, whoever wins this LA series is winning the cup. Because New York's not oh, hanging with either of those yeah. teams. <laughs> and, like, we were I, talking I about it, like... Fan. Like the Rangers fans no. were like, "Oh, we could be in Chicago." No, you're not being either team. Like it was, it was that was. They're the like, "Oh, but every game was one goal." It's like, no, it still doesn't matter. Like Henrik Lundqvist yeah, only Henrik done Lundqvist. so much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Whoever won the Western Conference that year was gonna win the cup. Like it was pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, that was how it was for like four years. It was like, okay, so who's gonna run their shit this year? I mean, the Kings <laughs> or the Hawks? Which one's gonna? Which one's gonna get it together? Oh my gosh! Like. And yeah, they played a game in the month of June for three years in a row. It's crazy. That's insane. That's insane. Like, oh my gosh, they are that just so much success. Like, they're so. Good. What, who's the last team to do that? Who's the last team to do that? I think Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh didn't, didn't that. do that. That's for sure. Pittsburgh never did it. Um. Yeah. Well, I, LA. I no. Yeah, LA. No, LA. Yeah, but no, because we beat them before yeah. June in 2013. Do we? Like we we oh no, it is June. No, it was later, it was later. You're right, because of the fucking late yeah. start shortened season crap. Because yeah. we won that cut that, that second cup we won in like late June. So yeah. Instead of like mid June when it usually is. But yeah, it's like yeah. the dude. But like the thing with that those Hawks teams is like I was talking about with my friends last night. They were like, there was always that one series that like they played like a Stanley Cup, and then afterwards you knew they were just like, Okay, yeah, they're winning this year. Like you had the um, you had definitely like the Canuck series or the Predator series in 2010 that just proved like or actually I think the Sharks the Shark series where they swept the one seed and they were just like you know what fuck you guys we're we're just gonna manhandle the number one seed San Jose Sharks that were the best team in the league and then you got 2013 where they just wagoned against the Red Wings and then afterwards they looked unstoppable and then you have 2015 where they came out of a war with Anaheim and I after they beat Anaheim I was like there is not a doubt in my mind oh they're like I said, wins. I said this. If they won Game Six in Chicago, they would have. They were going to win the cup. I was confident in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they won that Game Six in style too. Like Game Six and Seven, they won in style. Like just dominant performances. Yeah, Anaheim team is so tough too. They had such no a team can withstand that. Freddie Anderson, hits. Johnny Gibson. Dude, that was young John Gibson too. Oh man. Yeah. Like oh, I don't think yeah, he was, he was, was still good. Well, no, I meant he was the backup. That's what I'm saying. Like oh, the yeah, same yeah, thing yeah, with yeah, Bishop yeah. Vasilevsky. Dude, the fact that Andre Vasilevsky almost stole the game as a 21-year-old in the Stanley Cup final is insane to think about. (laughs) And, like, I remember telling everyone here in Tampa, I was just like, you guys know he's the better goalie, right? Like, he's going to be the guy. And everyone was, like, on such a bishop high in this city. They were just like, no, no, bishop's the guy. Bishop was injured. He was. 
yeah, he was in 2015. You could tell like Bishop was clearly injured, and I bet some of those goals like, have gotten like back and fast. Probably didn't help that Victor net. Hedman ran into him in Game Five. <laughs> I forget which game it was. Best. <laughs> I just remember that year. I was like my freshman year of high school, like my marching and We went down to Florida to do like the Outback Bowl. Mm-hmm. in Tampa and I just remember like walking around one of the malls and there's just like lightning stuff everywhere and specifically Bishop stuff we're like yeah, they, they, it's such a Bishop high they had like all these yeah. Bishop please shirts and stuff like everyone was no. Ben Bishop fan in the city yeah, I think it was Ben Bishop Tyler Johnson and Steven Stamkos no one even cared about Nikita Kucherov yet Every <laughs> I walked past had like a like a player on it and it was either Bishop or it was uh or I think Ryan Callahan was big here too at the time because they just yeah. got him for the they were rocking that true. Dude, that was a rocket in game three. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I was but literally though, I feel like oh, if Vasilevsky stayed in that like net that se- uh, entire series in 2015, I feel like they could have won. Yeah, yeah, he was just so they good. Win, I forget which game it was. I think it was game three. Dude, but they he, held he was, Taves and Kane to two goals and still lost. Yeah. Like he was so good. I think, I think baby Caroline and baby that Christopher Steeg and Patrick Sharp, baby. Dude, what? game four was nuts yeah. with those post hits. I was going to lose it if we didn't score the first goal in game four. Because, like, you had that one where Sharp had the breakaway and hit the post twice. You had Oduya who hit the post about as square as possible. And I was just like, yep, this is where the Lightning score some bullshit on the power play. They were, like, just on a breakaway from, like, Alex Kalorn or something, and we lose. But, no, Taves did his thing. Oh, yeah, that was a Brandon Saad was a beast. Beautiful. Playoff Brandon Saad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Playoff Another one of those guys that just knows how to turn it on, too. man. Mm-hmm. He did it in 2014, too. He was the best most consistent player for Colorado this year. Probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, by far. Yeah. And then you got to think, like, <laughs> I remember, like, when he went to Columbus and they were playing Pittsburgh and they were just like, man, we need someone to do something in the playoffs. I was like, well, Brandon Sod will probably turn it on eventually. Literally the next game he got a goal. I was just like, it, it happens. Like, he just – the guy knows when to score. There's a reason the Hawks wanted him, but they traded for him. Yeah, it was like, he's a playoff performer. And then Artemi Panarin goes on the next two years to just expose everyone in the playoffs. <laughs> we'll continue yeah, to be but, salty uh, about that. He's not a good playoff player. Yeah. yeah. God, so dumb. So dumb. (laughs) The duality of this franchise, cups and then trading. Dude, they do so much good, and then they just spit in your face with, like, two moves, and you're just like, ah, all right. (laughs) Yep. I don't know. Uh, I think we can end it off. It's been almost two and a half hours of this, unless you guys have more to talk about. I think we've done enough reminiscing on the cup runs. <laughs> I think you did a good job. Well, yeah, as, uh, obviously, it's always a pleasure having you on. I love your energy. It was great hearing from you again. Spencer, same with you as Reagan. And it was nice having Julie on as well, someone from uh, Germany. That was that was cool. But uh, again, uh, it said he wasn't on. He's dealing with some personal stuff right now, so I wish enough about the best for him that he's okay. But, uh, yeah, um. Vegas Montreal game three tonight. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely a series. Um, I think I don't know. I think Tampa's got that series against the Unders. If I'm being honest, I think I think mm-hmm. it goes to I six. I still think Tampa closes. Yeah, I, think it's I can definitely see six. Like they steal one in Tampa, and then yeah. like they win game four, but then like Islanders win game five, and then Tampa wins game six. So yeah, it's like a repeat mm-hmm. of last year. I think that's exactly what happened last year too. If I'm not mm-hmm. 
probably. But, but yeah. like Montreal oh, can make this a series now if they win for sure. Oh, definitely like more of a yeah. series than it already is. Hmm. It reminds me of Ottawa, kind of. They just got to play their. They got to play their game. That's all they yeah. got to do. And Carey Price just has to be what he always is, which is fantastic. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Um, okay, we're winding down. We're in the conference final right now. Uh, that in the Stanley Cup, and then we got a silly season. It'll be the expansion draft and draft and free agency. It's gonna be crazy. We're gonna be doing podcasts. Hopefully, we can get uh, Spencer and Reagan on a bit more. It was nice having you guys on, and uh, yeah. So, hope you all enjoy this. Hope y'all are getting vaccinated, wearing masks, and uh, staying safe. And thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, let's go, Pops. <laughs> <laughs>